Here's to the glory of podcasting technology, which is allows you to take the best things you've ever said, cut them together into a single audio document, and pretend that you're far more charming than you are. It's honestly the best thing we've ever done. Hey everybody, I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And this is the Mix Six, a podcast where we drink six different beers, review them on a five-point scale, and also have six conversations because, frankly, it's like an hour and a half long podcast. If we just drank the beers, it would just be guzzling and yeah, like it, silence. It'd That's be not a fun really like to. boring hour and a half. Yeah, so we're going to talk about other things, if only to pass the time before we get to the next beer. Yeah, I think that's the important thing there. Yeah. It really is just, yeah, like an alcoholic bookend on stuff. Yes. Um, anyways, the purpose of this podcast in particular uh, is to review the best stuff we've done. So in December of 2017, we're sitting around. We had a year's worth, a little over a year's worth of content. Uh, and we wanted to figure out of the 200 plus beers we sampled and the 200 plus conversations we had, which one did all of the people who have really been listening and interacting with this podcast, which ones did they like the most? So we just asked them on Facebook and we got so many cool responses. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to put together a best of cut with the six best segments as voted on by listeners uh, to really give you a sense of what the mix six does, who we are and what, what this podcast is all about. Um, a note about how this works. As Caleb mentioned, we review beers on a five point scale mm-hmm. every episode and that scale changes every episode so at the time of this recording we've recorded 40 plus episodes which means we've had 40 plus review systems yeah given that the segments that you're about to listen to are from a variety of different episodes you'll also hear a variety of different rating systems so one beer may be rated on the colors of purple and orange and yellow and green Mm -hmm. and one beer may be reviewed on super nintendo games yeah so if it doesn't sound like there's a lot of coherence in the review and rating of beers it's because there isn't it's because there literally isn't but the integers remain the same we just change the name of them every time that's absolutely right so we just wanted to explain that up front in case that's the thing that doesn't work for you uh, other than you know our opinions voices and everything else we do here that's right and Uh, integers are important. We rate beers on a one on a five point scale. A one is the worst thing you've ever had. A five is the best thing you've ever had. Two through four net out somewhere in the middle there. So as you hear us review beers and as you hear us apply labels to those reviews, you'll kind of know what we're talking about. And if you end up liking us, we have plenty more episodes on iTunes. Uh, and if you like us a whole bunch, we have special secret episodes on a Patreon, and you can get it if you have you know slip us something at the door and then uh we also have other super cuts that are even faster than this uh done by maddie gibbons on youtube that you can go watch so yeah. all of that you're welcome to enjoy if you really enjoy the mix six find us on twitter at the mix six find us on facebook facebook.com slash the mix six we've got a page in a group check out our website www.themixsix.com or as caleb just mentioned check us out on youtube just search for the mix six podcast and you'll find a couple of our role-playing game segments and some super cuts of us sounding like assholes which you're about to hear plenty of mm-hmm. in just a few minutes. So we wanted to give you this introduction to what you're about to hear. The next six segments are, according to the people who pay money and or spend time listening to this insanity, uh, the most enjoyable things we've done over the last year. Frankly, some of it's embarrassing for us. So at this point, we're just going to... If gonna, not most of it. Yeah, we're just going to get out and let you do this on your own. Yeah. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoy it, and we hope you'll find us again on some other platform and some other time.
Cleb, beer one, what you got? I am drinking Urban Chestnuts uh, Count Orlock Black Pumpkin Ale. And I just got to say, points for uh, the branding on this, because they got like a full-blown Nosferatu yeah, picture on that bottle. picture. And it is, it just, I mean, I just snatched that right off the shelf. Uh, it's going to be a solid Adam West. Oh. It's good. Right. I am sort of trained to look for pumpkin-based, St. Louis-based beers by Schlafly, because yeah. hard five. Right. Uh, but it's a three. It's okay. I can tell some there's some pumpkin in there, but right. that urban chestnutty is, is like, it's very much at the front end. This is an urban chestnut right. beer, and there's some pumpkin. Given that's an Adam West, you would say it's got some pow? Yes. Yeah, it's powing you with the urban chestnut, ah. and then it just kind of, the credits are like also including pumpkin. Yep. Totally uh, as an extra. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I'm drinking. What are we going to talk about? All right. So topic one for the night, uh, we're going back to an oldie but a goodie, dissecting our fun. Tonight we're talking about board games again, a little bit differently though, so rather than picking a specific board game to review as we have in the past, or even a board game mechanic that we find interesting, tonight we're going to talk about the worst three games we could play. So in my mind, here's how I was thinking about this. You're at a game night, you're sitting around with friends, someone says to you, hey, let's play this. And you instantly tell yourself, if you want to be accepted in the group, you'll do it, but you'll go home later and cry about it. So that's what bottom three game is for me. How do you interpret this? Uh, I, I interpreted it if, like, I knew we were going over to play that, I might be busy. Yeah. Uh, Sneaky. And we also, uh, we also mentioned... Um, because you're like, I want to be part of the group, and I'm gonna, and I, I'm frankly don't have the cojones to like not be part of the group. I'm gonna go along, right. get along. But if I know on the front end what we're playing, I'm, sure. I'm stepping up. We also agreed at the front at the front end, no excessively traditional games. Like, look, if you want to play Monopoly, just punch me in the mouth and let's let's fucking fight it out and right. get it done. <laughs> yeah, like it's gonna go faster. It's gonna be more pleasant. Right, and frankly, it's more honest. Right. So let's just. Let's just finish it and move on. Like uh, it's it's too obvious to be mentioned. So mm-hmm. uh, less than traditional family games, but also a game I really am not he- I'm not speeding over to your house to play. Totally fair. Yeah, totally fair. So what's your number three? So my number three, and I have to admit that it's very possible that this is not about the game. It's about the two bad experiences I've had playing the game. But I can't separate these things because games. So my number three is Arkham Horror which I know is probably not a terribly popular answer here. Oh, God. But, but, and so I apologize. I can, I can just see the bar of right. the Patreon right. dropping. <laughs> I apologize in advance. Please, I have a, a number of other redeemable qualities. Mm-hmm. As you can probably tell, hopefully tell from the animated face, I'm at least animatedly cute. Um, but let me tell you why Arkham Horror made my list. So the first time we played Arkham Horror, um, it took us like six hours because we were constantly consulting a rule book, which, which felt like a tome. Yeah, That's not a lot of fun, and it's not a good way to get into the game. Had my first experience with the game been my second experience, where you came over and functionally just walked us through the game. You need a GM. You need it's a GM. It's hardcore co-op conundrum. Yes, but that's the problem. So we're so behind the eight ball that when you come over to walk us through the game, it's the co-op conundrum problem. We're not even really doing the game anymore. Yeah. You're telling us where to move things and what the next action Understandable. is. Understandable. So I'm fully willing to admit that this is number three on my list currently. Over time and play... Uh, this game could quickly come off because I love everything about the idea. I love the universe. I just have not enjoyed playing the game yet. Yes. What's third on your list? Third on my list, um, and caveat on there, not because of a game design issue, because of a social issue that accompanies it. Yep. Uh, Catan. Whoa. So look, I did not 
get into board gaming with Catan. Right. I understand that's the gateway drug for most people. Yeah. Um, but with the exception of playing with you, which yeah. is the first time I played it. Which is also mind-numbing to me. Yeah. I just went straight to heroin, man, and right. then you did. I tried weed. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it is, uh, when I'm invited over to play it, it's usually by some couple that's like, oh, you're into board games, huh? Have you tried this new thing called Catan? Yeah. Like, yeah. they just, like, fucking blew my mind. I'm like, there's an episode of fucking 30 Rock about it. You're not edgy. And, well, Parks and Rec, kind of. And everything. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's... it's the, I ran an academic bowl the other night. There was a question about it amongst the, like it's. I, I'm not against the game. It, it is a running joke in an entire episode of Big Bang Theory. Except, is what it yeah, is. I, it's. I'm not against the game. It is a well designed game and it is an interesting game. But it's like sort of vanilla for this kind of like because we're playing weird games with marbles and stuff we now. Are, like I are. need something harder to get my rocks off. And then fun intended. Yeah, and then secondly, uh, it. it Every time I've been invited to play it, everyone's just been like, oh, we'll play a game, we'll play a Catan or something. Like, then I'm like, all right, yeah, we'll drink, we'll talk, we'll play Catan. But it's just like, I'm going to blow your, you think you're into games, you're over at your house playing Parch Easy. I'm like, no, I'm, no, I'm not. No, I'm I, literally I'm, not. I'm really not doing right. that. Right. Uh, and they, they always think, like, I'm going to blow your mind. And I'm just like, oh, no. No, I get that. That's fair, that that it never measures up to what probably it is sold as. Yeah, the there's nothing, of- it's nothing on Catan, but, like, there's just, I got this whole social stigma with it now. I get that. Well, so now that we've taken down two incredibly popular games to an audience of likely gamers, <laughs> yeah. the, the rest of this is only... See how money. much money we can lose in a segment. That's right. Achievement um, unlocked. So number two for me, and I'm, I'm curious if this is also on your list, because you and I spent a lot of time talking about some ire for this game. Also a wildly popular game, so maybe this is just my hot take seg. Um, number two on the list for me is Cards Against Humanity. So here, here's what it is. All social issues aside, not that I can take the social issues aside on something like this, but if I'm just evaluating the game, here's the problem that I have with playing Cards Against Humanity. There is some actual nuance in that game, mm-hmm. which is understand your audience at a really fundamental level to figure out what person at any given time, what one person at any given time will find funny. And I think there's something interesting and investigative about that, and it says something about your ability to be insightful and read people. The problem is that is not what happens in 99% of Cards Against Humanity games. It's a race to the bottom in racism, sexism, misogyny, inappropriateness. And not that those things can't be like oddly funny in the right setting and that there aren't spaces where sometimes someone plays something unexpected and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. And there's kind of a wow factor to it. But, But all of the immediate nuance of figuring out how one might actually play the game is immediately shot to shit by the insanity of that play. It's my number one. Oh my God, I can't wait. Uh, I hate it so much. I'm busy. I have to wash my hair. I have literally anything else going on. Do not make me play Cards Against Humanity again. I needed a bookmark and something to prop up a table the other night. I picked my old Cards Against Humanity cards. And they weren't nearby. I went into another room. I opened doors and drawers and and retrieved them. Uh, I just can't do it anymore, man. The race to the bottom thing's a real thing. Also, the humor of the game is based off this sort of ironic disconnect of like, I am not this racist. I am not this sexist. It is, there's this chicken crossing the road, unexpected element. That's the comedy of the game. Right. But the eighth fucking time we've played it, it's gone. We're just saying racist things off of cards 
And there's no humor to it anymore. I have right. the cards memorized. Right. I have the expansion cards memorized. Again, the Catan problem. Everybody on freaking Earth wants me to play it. Absolutely. And furthermore, I have a selfish uh, negative part of myself. The uh, the hatred comes from a far, far less defensible part in that as a game designer, it infuriates me and makes so much goddamn money. Yeah. Oh, you stole apples to apples and made it shitty like everyone already was playing apples to apples and you got... A billion dollars. Fuck. What am I doing with my life? I hate that this exists. Uh, The rage is... Producer Ross, you know that rage. You got to tamp it down because it's a a bad, you know, envious Uh, thing. But it's there. Don't deny it's there. Okay. So to talk about Cards Against Humanity, uh, I I understand these visceral reactions to it. I've been fortunate that I've only played it like maybe three times. And it's all been with the RPPR people. And so I've never had to play it with people I don't know that well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so one, I, I've also I haven't gotten burned out on the cards. That's another thing. People use it as a fucking icebreaker. Yeah. Why, why right. is that the goddamn that. icebreaker? Don't do that. Because you know, you know the, that game could also be called Spot the Racist. Because yeah. like that's the person who's not playing it ironically. And yeah. now yeah. you're around a table and you're looking at other people like, don't. Don't make that and, joke and, anymore. And yeah, like I see randos playing at conventions that have never spoken to each other before. I'm just like, no. and they won't again. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And it's I did not have this reaction the first time I played it, the second time I played it, but at this point, never again. <laughs> I have shit to do. Right. I'm gonna fake a phone call. So, I have to figure it out. Like, so it can't be one of my my things because I haven't burned out on it. But I never. I, I actually don't want to play it anymore because I like I haven't reached that point. I think I'm at the threshold right now. Right. So. Oh yeah, live it up. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> to be also fair, uh, well, I think the people who make it realize that they don't deserve all the money they do and are spending it in great ways, like digging giant holes. Right. Uh, they also do some charitable work, yeah. which again heart, hurts my envious. I hate you for making more money <laughs> yeah. arg- than sure. me argument. Sure. Uh, but at least I'm admitting I have that in there. Like, yeah. You're not going to get a hot take. It's like, well, he's just jealous. He didn't. No, I'm jealous. I didn't get that money. Straight up yeah. mad about it. it fucking accept it. I, it's on the line. Uh, but and and who deserves it uh, more, them or the exploding kittens guy? Yeah, and also you're talking about like uh, party games. Like there's clever like snake oil. Play Snake yeah. Oil. You can play with any number of people. It involves being cleverer. It's funnier in sure. a lot of ways. There are alternatives. Yeah, there are much better alternatives that are also super kind fight. of adult and not super fight. Super fight. But yeah, no, not cards. So Never what's your did. number two now that we've just totally... I'm sorry, I couldn't wait. I was no, so I excited to talk no, about it. No, I know. <laughs> uh, Twilight Imperium. Oh, I oh. thought that was going to come on the list. I'm busy and you're busy for the next 12 hours, and you're not going to finish. Have you played that it, game. Spencer? Nope. Mm. I avoid it for that reason. Oh my god, it's just ugh. we got through four turns. We played it for six hours once. We got it through four turns. I think the only time I've heard of someone having a complete game of it was because of the 2007 ice storm. <laughs> like, power was out in Springfield. The roads were down. We were just hunkered down in whatever buildings at heat. And I think Dan and some other people from RPPR managed to finish a full It is game the antidote it. to despondence. Over a matter of days. Oh you know? Like, I'm not, I'm not against it as a game design. I just... You know, we talked about Alchemist being about the peak level of complication I am willing to handle, and then it manages that with an app. Yeah. Yeah. 
Twilight Imperium threw that app out the fucking window, and then it made it infinitely more complicated than even Alchemist with like eighty-two wind tracks and all these special. Oh my god, I just don't care. Oh, I, you like Civilization? Would you like to do it manually? No, <laughs> no, I would not. It is a computer game for a reason. Oh god. Oh, I'm, yeah, I have stuff to do. Yeah, I got in a car wreck on the way over there. Uh, I, I will fake a heart attack to get out of a Twilight Imperium game. Damn. So I've not played it. Uh, at, my number two is Cards Against Humanity. My number one, which you've already discussed yours, at length and in vigor, might yeah. I add. My, my number one is Risk. And I know we were trying to toe the line between non-traditional games and kind of where we ended up. Risk, to me, is outside of the non-traditional, or outside of the traditional. I'm not going to contest that. Right. Uh, because, yeah, a lot of people play it, and yeah, it's you know beyond the basics in some ways, but it feels like the most basic beyond the basic. But here's my thing about Risk. Um, if you asked me to play and I told you no because I didn't have the time, I'm lying to you. I do have the time. In fact, we play hours. We play games for six hours on the weekend, sometimes more than that. Yeah. I have played 10-hour strategy games with my father-in-law and loved every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Just none of those things were risk because I don't fucking care. That's two turns in Twilight Imperium. <laughs> okay, see? And that's why you've not sold it to me here is what I'm saying. Yeah. Here's the other thing I've learned about myself. For... For however this may or may not be possible, I'm a bad dice roller. Like, terrible rolling dice. Which is the entire game of Risk. Probabilities don't work for me. Um, uh, And so the notion that I would spend seven hours with some people just showing them over and over and over again that probabilities don't work in my favor. No, it's just punishment. That's not a game anymore. So um, I love games. I love doing a lot of things with games, and I love a lot of games. Don't ask me to come play Risk to you, because I'm going to have to lie to you because I don't want to be honest to you. Yes. That's how I feel about Risk. That's fair. I'm going to go get a beer. Yep. Mr. Caleb, what have you chosen to consume this time? I'm drinking a Crown Valley Brewings Antique Amber mm-hmm. American Ale. And ha- and how would you rate that beer? Oh, this is a this is an AC Slater. It's medium bodied in mm. the same way a guy unlike AC Slater. Unlike AC Slater, mm-hmm. but it's the same way a, a man who was obviously slight and wane mm-hmm. and you know concave chested wow. would describe himself as medium body because yep, yep. it's 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 pretty weak sauce it's not up for me but you know it's drinkable so it's no spano but it's an ac slater totally fair what are we talking about i think we are going to talk about uh letters from the listeners letters so from the listeners. people have uh in chimed in with uh dear mix six mm-hmm. and uh we're probably going to have uh you want to do comments for episodes? Let's do comments for episodes if you want to drop us a new Dear Mix 6 comments. Totally love uh, We might have to start a Reddit or something off page if we get insanely popular. Right. When uh, we get insanely popular. When we get insanely <laughs> Who popular. Who doesn't want to hear us with our uh, soothing voices? Drunk enough, this, is, uh, this episode is about the secret. That's We're actually right. writing a check to the universe. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, in this Dear Mix 6, uh, we are going to field a question. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there were a lot of really good ones on the group meet. Really great questions. But uh, I don't want to do one of the really good ones. I nope. want to do one that I feel like has some secret right. depths. Weight of the universe. S'mores. Are they worth it? Yes. Not a sound effect. That was me. Yeah. Yeah. S'mores, are they worth it? All right. You want me to start? Yeah. I'm going to ruin s'mores for everybody right now. And I'm going to tell you the real truth to enjoying a s'more. One. Take it off the heat, freeze it, 
break it apart into its three constituent elements and then eat them independently <laughs> because the combination of those things, the smelting, as it were, of the cookie, the, the graham cracker and the chocolate and the marshmallow ruins the graham cracker, the marshmallow, and the chocolate. I eat these things as three independent pieces. I buy s'more parts sometimes just to give a middle finger to the universe while I eat graham crackers, and then later I go back for some marshmallows, and then when it's really late at night and I want to feel good about myself, then I eat some chocolate. So, no, s'mores aren't worth it. They ruin their constituent elements. Dear God, I, I mean, I would not have picked this question had I know you were fanatical. It's a Band-Aid that you've ripped off, Caleb, okay? <laughs> Why are you flagellating right now? My thing is that I feel like America just does more and more and more when really you should just eat a graham cracker, okay? is how I feel about s'mores, because they're delicious, honey-made or not. I feel like we're almost to, like, a story of Spencer talking about, you know, going out camping with his family when he was a kid and, like... A serial kill? I don't know. Something something happened. Someone threw a dead cat. Is this going to end like Goodwill Hunting? Am I yeah. going to like? It's not your fault. Yeah. No. It's it's not your fault. Yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> I uh, first and foremost, I hate I hate sticky things. So the notion that someone would willingly put a marshmallow over a fire and make it sticky to the touch and then pull it off and leave the stickiness on on their now would have be, but become claws, frankly, just disgusting, <laughs> grotesque, grotesque claws, <laughs> and then would try to interact with other humans. Watching watching a group of people make s'mores is my nightmare, right? So here's what's happening. A bunch of grubby-ass motherfuckers are sitting around a cat fire. I didn't even think of your crazy uh, OCD. Oh, it's crazy now. Is it, Caleb? Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, it is crazy. Great. <laughs> yeah. They're delicious. I appre- Would you say my OCD is the spawn of Satan? Uh-huh. Okay. Would you say it's a punishment? <laughs> so watching people make s'mores is the most disgusting thing in the world. Because here's some grubby-ass motherfuckers sitting around a campfire. Already disgusting, right? And they're like, oh, here, let me put my hands all over this marshmallow and put it on this metal rod that a bunch of people have touched. Here, let me hold it over the fire and turn it into a literal fucking glue. A gelatinous, sugary glue. Here, let me pull chunks of that glue off this metal rod, which I've just held over a fucking fire made of wood from God knows where, okay? Let me pull this glue off. Here, here, take this sugary glue bit. You're forgetting the burned carbon button. Yeah. That's the charred ones. Yeah, yeah. The crunchy yeah. Oh, parts. Oh, God, yeah. Let's turn a marshmallow, a soft and gooey I gem. I feel like this is soon going to start sounding like it was written by Love. No, 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 no. A cyclopean, <laughs> towering, white, amorphous blob. I'm, I'm, the I-Core poured <laughs> from its I'm glad that we've, eye. yeah, we've brought this up. Okay, so here's what we've done. Squamous. We've taken this beautiful, this beautiful thing that nature and science have wrought, a marshmallow, and we've turned it into the Fantastic Force thing. So now I'm going to pull that thing apart, and I'm just like, I'm just like stretching it off this piece of metal. And I'm like, here, let me put it on top of this perfectly delicious. It prolapses as you bring it out. Oh, my God. <laughs> this perfectly, de- it looks like something you need surgery for. If someone showed up at the emergency room and they're like, hey, look what's happened to me. Doctors everywhere would be, I, I, I don't know what to do. So, so let me pull this off the metal rod and not only put it on your perfectly delicious chocolate bar and your even more delicious graham cracker. Here, have my finger germs and have this crunchy ass disgusting motherfucker of a marshmallow that was once good and here let me put another marshmallow on top of it it's almost insulting it's like the thing you do to people after you fire them and you hated them right like get the fuck out of my office also here's a s'more (laughs) because I'm gonna ruin I'm gonna ruin all these things that are great to you, like getting is a Is that paycheck. how you know you're getting the pink slip? Like, no. You don't oh, see the, it smoke, the smoke's on the horizon ah, now. He's, he's you don't, firing something. You don't see it coming, right? Yeah. You get the pink slip, and then they put a s'more on top of the pink slip. That's what they use to clothe. That. They, don't, they don't use two graham crackers. They use a graham cracker and a pink slip. That's how you get fired in the future. Okay. okay. This in, in a dystopian future, we would all eat s'mores made 
made by some disgusting human. Okay, how do, you, how, do you feel, yeah, how do you feel about s'mores divorced of this sort of like how the sausage is made process that you find so loathsome? So like, like what say, if they're microwaved? So like, say a s'mores Pop-Tart. Something that is self-contained. First off, a s'mores Pop-Tart isn't a Pop-Tart. Different conversation. Well, no, Wait, what? How is that them? a different conversation? It's branded. It says Pop-Tart on it's, the label. It's branded. Is that how we go about claiming things these days? So I'm just going to walk in and take shit from Best Buy, and they'll be like, hey, you can't have that. I'll be like, uh-uh, I said it was Spencer's Bloodborne, so now it's branded. <laughs> you so didn't manufacture that. Fuck all. The you s'mores can't. people, I mean, the, the, the Pop-Tart people, they manufactured Producer it. Producer Ross is off the bench. Okay, yeah. so... I'm a, sorry. Yeah, a couple of no, things. No, it's fine, but... Right. You, He's he's a professional. Yeah. We'll save and a, even he's. We'll go to a grocery school. store. It's there. It's in a cardboard box. It's labeled. We'll with, save a later episode for <laughs> top five pop tart flavors. S'mores doesn't make the top twenty. Okay, <laughs> mine will be as on point as yours wasn't earlier. Is how I feel about. I don't Pop-Tarts. think Caleb even likes pop tarts. Uh, I really like s'mores pop tarts. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's they literally a look of would be. I thought we were gonna have like a logistical conversation of like ease of access, like a yeah. s'mores pop tart. Yeah, totes worth it. Do I have to like build an actual fire? Uh, maybe a s'mores isn't worth it. Yeah. But like, is this it sort is of some the sort actual logistical process of making a s'more? You are over here. I, I, I thought it was like s'mores. Are they worth like this intense sort of like? Let's get you could just microwave the ingredients. Yeah, it's like, or is it worth it in a microwave? Or is yeah. like the ritual somehow important to the taste? To make it a s'mores, I didn't expect like this hardline s'mores position. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I feel as strongly about s'mores uh, as I do about the North Star, in that it's in the north, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Captain America: Civil War being the fifth favorite uh, of the Marvel films, and uh, and the need to breathe oxygen. I, I think it is significant to know about me that I don't want to. I don't want to talk. In, I don't want to talk to you about the process of making s'more. Well, I think we like for the good of the podcast should leave this topic here. I, yeah. I shouldn't go forward. No, like, I'll, I'll get another beer. We'll yeah, try something. Else. I'm empty yeah. and and frightened, frankly. <laughs> I am drinking a Dogfish Head Midas Touch Ancient Ale, and I've not tried it yet, so I'm going to give it a shot. I think, actually, RPBR Sean brought that over one night. Uh, we were really excited that Dog, Dogfish Head is here, by the way. Oh, your face is not not happy. Nope, it's getting worse. Now it kind of looks like vomiting is what that face is. It's, a, it's an invective. It's a two? Oh, okay. Well, I, was, I mean, I'd be mean if it was a one. I can probably finish it. Like I can decrypt an invective and infuse it into some other weapon that That's I like right. better in Destiny, but I'm not happy about getting it. Yeah, um, it's a little. F- I think there's a theme developing. It's a little hard on the back end and the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it does kind of taste like there's some gold in it. Mm. Which is not a positive well, on the palate. Oh, no, you don't want that. Okay. Um, minerals on the palate typically not. Especially heavy metal, sure, yep. not something you want that's um, it's it, fine. on your tongue. Gold okay. doesn't rust; it's fine. <laughs> All right, well, that's a solid two. It's a um, solid two. While you drink that, let me talk about what we're like seventeen or eighteen episodes into this shit. I don't even know anymore. Eighteen, but go keep going. We'll be introducing right now our first new segment 
in a long fucking time. Oh, new segment sound effect. Ooh. Producer Ooh. Ross will no, he's not gonna put anything. He's doing it no. with his mouth now. That's that's an improvement. That we have to is take that. A sound effect. <laughs> um I have been wanting to do this segment for Maybe a while. Maybe by the now. end of this, he's going to be like the guy from Police Academy. He's just going to be doing all oh, sorts of shit. Yeah. That'd no, be great. No, I'll get right on that. <laughs> I have been wanting I'll take nine classes. <laughs> to do a new segment, this new segment in particular, for a while now, but I could never come up with a good conceit for it. And then, in an episode we recently launched, people were overwhelmingly positive about our response to the Great British Baking Show, which set the stage. So the new segment is. Mixed six mock draft hashtag MSMD. All right, it's 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 sort of where nerds planner and sports planner come together. And That's right, baby. <laughs> That's right. So one a of my little mix six baby. One of my favorite things about sports is the draft. Right. So the NBA draft is happening right now, contemporaneously with this episode, or pretty close to the NFL draft is one of my favorite nights of the year, and then fantasy football drafts I gear up weeks in advance for. So the idea here is that you and I will draft competing teams to participate in any given number. Of premises. And so what I was looking for is, what's the premise today, and what is the pool of characters from which we have to draw to compete? All right? So... I think you've picked winners on both fronts. I do think this is wonderful, if I may say so. Okay? So here we are. Here's the conceit. Drafting only characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I will extend to include the Netflix, Netflix universe if I need to. Okay? Drafting only characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe... You and I are both building competing teams of four superheroes to participate in a special episode of The Great British Baking Show. All right? Now, mm-hmm. as is true with, with most drafts, we're going to start with a random roll of the die. Now, as I continue to hopefully win this segment over and over and over again, I will allow you to draft earlier or vice versa if you continue to pummel me and only time and the, and the listeners will tell. But we're going to roll... Hashtag Team Caleb. We're going to roll... Absolutely not. I swear to fucking God, you people who have punished me for this s'more shit. Um, uh, You know what? Just to generate some goodwill, I'll be hashtag Team S'mores. How about that? Okay? Uh, We're going to roll a die to So you become the thing you hate. That's right. That's That's a very superhero trope. In order to win, I'll do what I got to do. You're like Tony Stark. Some Frank Miller Batman shit. All right? Uh, We're going to roll a die to determine who gets to go first. Now, here's the rule. After someone's taken off of the proverbial draft board, they cannot be taken by another team, so it is competing for space. So Mm. I'm going to roll first. I've got myself a hard five. Mathematically speaking, I'm in not great shape. And Caleb, yes! motherfucker. That's an eight. Caleb rolled an eight. All right, Caleb, you get first pick. Remember Vision. This was- God damn it. You son of a bitch. He was first off my board, too. So he can phase through the oven, check the temperature with his Android phase. And man. his soothing voice has got to be a bonus. Soothing voice. Also, where Vision really kills it, piping. You know you don't shake in piping for decoration? That's what you went for. When you're a fucking android and you don't have actual nerves. God. Uh, <laughs> first on my Some board. fucking machine piping uh, can check the temperature, constantly surveilling it from multiple data spectrums, uh, can see it all visible forms of light, vision. Hard pick. Cool. Great. Hope you burn in hell. Um, <laughs> not unlike the cake that you mess up. So for me, uh, and some of the stuff that you've just said rings true, the Great British Baking Show, baking more than cooking, as someone who cooks a little bit but doesn't bake all that much, baking is about precision. 
There's not a lot of like, I don't know, I guess I'll try this number and see what fucking happens because it's all a science experiment in sheep's clothing or in this case, cake's clothing. And so I will take as my first overall pick, yet not the first overall pick in the draft because you've already taken arguably right up. the best, por- best player on the board. I'll take Vision's creator, Tony Stark. A man who comes to science naturally. It is his language and his language of love, might I add. And you know that Pepper Potts was getting some ooey-gooey chocolate lava cake (laughs) up in that bitch, okay? Because of that quality, precision, scientific rendering. So I believe that Tony Stark is arguably as good as, if not a better player than Vision, even though I had Vision ranked higher. Who's second on your board? I'm... I kind of don't want to say because I'm so sad about how badly I'm about to destroy you Uh-oh. in this draft. Uh-oh. It's getting pretty snarky it's, for getting I mean, the luck of the die. It's not snarky. It's just, just like jump in I'm, there. Your, I'm your buddy. Jump in there. Scarlet Witch. Okay. That's, she can remix. Nah. All right. Also, has a relationship with Vision Easy. so they can work well together. Easy. Furthermore, she can fucking bake reality, son. Like... Forget the chemicals and whatever cape you're making. She can do reality. She can, like, say, there are no more mutants, or everything is souffle, or whatever she wants to do. Or, or everyone is stiltman. You're welcome, Noah. Yeah, or, yeah you're, <laughs> or you're an angel food cake right now, and bam, you're a fucking angel food cake. Like, yeah. That's a deep pull. If you have Vision doing the science from front to back, phasing through the oven wall, Scarlet Witch... She's got the other half of it. She's got all the magic of baking. So there you go. You know what? I thought about the Scarlet Witch when I was putting together a draft board. But if you look at my draft board, she's not on there. You know she why? She have a bad dad? Is that not, she comes from a bad <laughs> I'm not small-minded, Caleb. <laughs> oh, okay. okay? I, believe right. that, I believe that it doesn't take a woman to be a good baker. All right? You fucking misogynist. She, Words okay. in my mouth. Uh-huh. Not literally alters I reality. I think, um, I think it's an asset. <laughs> in a similar but less sexist vein. Whoa, whoa. I will whoa. choose Stephen Strange pre-accident, okay? <laughs> I'm talking the Stephen Strange... Do you want a surgeon? I want a fucking surgeon. You want a neurosurgeon, all Do right. you know who needs to be more precise than a surgeon? No one, because life and death is predicated on the certainty of a surgeon. Wait, this is a team event, right? Yeah. So you and Tony Stark and pre-accident Stephen Strange are going to work well together on a team? That's uh, not how it works. If you watch the Great British Breaking Show, okay. Producer Ross, there's not a lot of collaboration. There are instead only baked items evaluated okay. against one another. And so here's how I see this. Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry and Sue and Mel are walking along and they're like, my goodness, Vision really baked some wonderful, but if I'm being honest, heartless tarts, okay? Tony Stark, though, a little bit charming, a little bit tardy, okay? Now, as I walk down the line, Scarlet Witch, mm, a lot of flash, no substance, but my goodness, that's Stephen Strange. He seemed to really get this, and he was hyper-accurate. Can you imagine a better presentation than Stephen Strange's on The Great British Breaking Show? You want to talk about piping, motherfucker? The mad ha- man has hands <laughs> that can cut people open and save their lives. So I get that you got to pick first. I get that you got to take Vision off the board. I also get that, if I'm being totally honest, I think you're losing. Who's third on your board? So, because you missed it. And I don't want any kind of conflict I've with Scarlet it, Witch and Vision, which is a lovely couple. Uh, I'm going to go with the other one. Peter Parker, the Spider-Man. A chemist so skilled, he made an ultra-high tensile weapon out of uh, basically nothing but what he could gather in a queen's apartment. 
in his home chemistry set that somehow deludes within an hour. If you want a man who understands the chemistry and the science of baking, you don't go for a mechanical engineer like Stark. You go for a hard in the fucking paint organic chem major like Peter Parker, the man who can admit fucking web shooting. Also, he has heart. Also, you want heart? You want someone that like Sue and Mel are gonna fucking love? Peter Parker, he's adorable from front to back. I want to see him in an apron right now, and I'm just talking about it. Uh, so Peter Parker's the third on my team. This was a good choice. I, at one point, had on my draft board Toby Maguire's Peter Parker, but as I understand, that was Sony's Spider-Man. That was And he sort of MCU. develops glands in his wrists, which is not particularly inter- interesting. But I'm sitting there thinking to myself. Tell you me know, you don't want to see Andrew Garfield make something, though. No, I do. I would even take new, <laughs> I would even take new Spider-Man baking something. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, okay. Third on my list, and this is... Look, he's going to be the worst baker of the lot, okay? I'm I'm ready to... Ready he's, to an, he's a four pick. Except that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting into the muck a little bit here, yeah. right? But I like your idea about Spider-Man. Like, who's not going to like eating some of Spider-Man's baked goods. You know, because I believe that 97% of the comp- competition is what you bake, and 3%, arguably an outsized 3%, though, is about how you interact with the judges. Mel, Sue, Paul Hollywood, Mary Berry. So I thought, why not get a fucking god himself? I'll take Thor. Because you can't tell me <laughs> that Mary Berry and maybe Paul Hollywood, if I'm being honest, isn't going to roll up on a specimen like that and go, hmm, I like what you've done there, sir. Okay, here's why I'm a great competitor in this. I will admit that's a great pick. Thank you. Because if you're going to do meat pies, that's right. no one's going to do it like Thor That's right. with his Viking heritage. Also, like, that dude, he probably, given the decadence with which they live, right, in, mm-hmm. in Valhalla. Mm-hmm. That, Asgard. Asgard, thank you. Yeah, yeah wrong, wrong, wrong heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah Asgard. Uh, that dude probably has seen some fucking pastries we don't even know about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's going to be bringing in shit like, well, one time, you know, we served this at Odin's 5,000th birthday party, <laughs> and people are going to be like, oh, my God, you know? So I feel like I feel like maybe I got a one-up here. So I'll let you round out your frankly privileged and frankly subpar team with your fourth overall pick. Go ahead. Good luck. Um, so I didn't expect to get this deep in the cut because I didn't expect to get all my picks this early in the game, but I got it. And like Kevin Costner in that draft day movie, I'm going to adjust. So here's the thing. If I'm going to go this deep in the pain, if I already got Vision, I already got Scarlet Witch, I already got Peter Parker in the fourth round, I'm going to give you an upset pick that you didn't see coming. Man-Thing. What? The off-brand Swamp Thing who can grow his ingredients at will. This is not in the MCU. Yes, Man-Thing is in the MCU. Where's Man-Thing in the MCU? Look it up, Ross. Producer Ross, that's your goal. I'm literally looking at the MCU on Wikipedia right now, and of all the things I see, Man-Thing nor Man-Thong makes the list. Man-Thing's a thing. Swamp Thing's the DCU, right? MCU, motherfucker. Man-Thing's MCU. I don't see MCU, is what I'm saying. Swamp Thing's DC. But... But this is MC. Marvel. I know. Man Thing is. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Man Thing, oh. bitches. Man Thing, you want ginger? Do you want some rose? 
he will fucking grow you on. Do you want to know when the rose has hit the perfect level of flavor? The rose. I don't see man thing. The rose Agents will fucking tell you. Agents of Shield. Uh, one, two, oh, nothing personal. Um, it's one of many individuals monitored by Shield. It's never on screen. He's just mentioned. Never on screen. This- it was a deep cut, and I deep cut you, son. Uh, he can grow his own fucking ingredients, and his ingredients can fucking talk to him. Find to me a better baker. I dare you. Okay. Well, given that I don't even accept the level of gamesmanship that you've just played, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm playing fourth dimensional chess here, man. I was seeing how long how long I could... I'm building dynasties, not seasons. I was seeing how long I could let this go. This I is thought, like a Patriots level uh, uh, yeah. scandal. This I is thought, like deflate gate. I thought, there's no way I'm going to get through seven picks before I get to pick this person. And arguably, it's the best pick in the whole draft. But you know what? You oh, let, you waited just to, you just to dunk it I on me? I sandbagged you. Okay, sure. Because after this happens, because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to name this pick, and then I'm going to flip the table, and the recording's going to end because the microphones are going to be on the Hey, I know floor. what the first Twitter poll uh, is after Cage Bash. Yeah. Wait, what? Who won this right, fucking right. draft? Producer Ross, safeguard your microphones, because here it comes. No, please don't do that. None other than Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury. Oh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine a no. better character in the Great British Baking Show tent, a P- I've imagined four better characters. A place <laughs> I've literally just done that. Of idyllic calm and tranquility. And here's Samuel L. Jackson. Just to, it's a cake, motherfucker! Just yelling stuff at you while he throws tarts and uh, crates. Why is everyone making tarts? And like, there's a lot of biscuits tarts going around. And wafers and cookies and other shit that is made on the show that I can't remember right now. I'll tell you right, right. I, I'm make. I will put a wager on it. I'll take Samuel L. Jackson against the Vision all day. I will take Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury against the Vision in the Great British Baking Show. Put it on the poll. That's it. When this shit lands, ladies and gentlemen, I need to know from you how many of you oh, would man. take Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury over the Vision in the Great British Baking Show Special Edition colon MCU. I just feel bad now. Caleb, I accept I've, gifts of I've, all shapes and sizes. I've dunked on you so hard, I feel, I feel bad. It bothers I, me After not. you prefacing with the s'mores thing, I just... Oh, God. Yeah, frankly, as the only expert baker of the lot, expert enough to understand what a <laughs> fucking abomination of heat and science <laughs> s'mores are, uh, I feel overly qualified to tell you that my team... Here, here's my fifth pick that I was going to make at you. Just to piss you off, because I really thought you were going to go. I thought I was going to go Vision One. You were going to go Tony Stark Two. Tony mm-hmm. Stark didn't even make your list. I was going to go Justin Hammer. I'm going to be honest with you, just to anto- antagonize Stark from yeah. across the room. Man, thinks the deep cut. You're yeah. going with Justin Hammer. Yeah. Well, Damn. I didn't go Justin Hammer. Instead, I went Nick Fury. Anyways, <laughs> this has been our first new segment in a hell of a long time. It's the Mix Six Mock Draft hashtag MSMD. I really want to get that trending on Twitter. I know it's not going to happen, but goddamn it, help me here. If you've been listening this whole time, it means that you are at a minimum listening for the, to this shit for free. Thank you so much for doing that. If you're not going on to our Patreon-only segment, we totally get it, and we appreciate all of the time that you've spent with us. And by the way, if you're wondering where Ask Mix Six went, Ask Mix Six this week was so good and so far above the 
pale with Adam L. Yeah. From what I wanted to talk about, we threw it into a drunk enough. Yeah. And if you're at four dollars, you're hearing it anyway. Right. So thank if you're you. at two dollars, you're hearing it. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. So uh, if you're not going on, we totally get it. Thanks so much for everything that you do, even though you're not paying for the podcast, which is totally fine. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the Mix Six or Facebook, Facebook.com/slash/TheMixSix. And as always, be sh- be sure to check out our website, www.com, www.themixsix.com. Uh, other than that, we thank you for everything that we you do, and we'll see you on the other side in another episode where we drink more beer, talk about more random shit, and hopefully have more mock drafts, depending on how this one went. I think it was a solid 10. I'm really excited to see in your subtopic suggestions some mock draft suggestions. Holla. This meets this. Bingo. That could be really fun. Bingo, bingo. On that note, we'll see you next time. And if you're sticking around, we'll be back in just a minute. Thanks, everybody. What are you drinking? So it's only fair that since I had arguably one of the best beers I've ever had in my entire life, that I would also then be subject. (laughs) Well, I mean, don't don't here's malign it before you've tasted it. Here's what I want to say about the Champagne Velvet brand beer from Upland Brewing Company. Is it Upland or Upland Wheat? Upland. Okay, just Upland. yeah. Upland's it, wheat ale here. Uh, Pick okay. any different and name. And like brand beer off. is in the name. It That's smells, what it's actually called. So so I remember the I remember smelling beer at like eighteen or nineteen and thinking like why would anyone want to drink that skunky shit? <laughs> That's what this smells like. So <laughs> I'm really do okay. just do it. Get, All right, Stillwater Rule. He's taking a sip. I mean, maybe, maybe it does taste. Maybe smells are deceiving. I maybe mean, it's all the, really good. Ooh, that's not a good face. No. The, yeah. the fucking sticker has, like, it looks like a Schlitz can from the 1970s. It does. And it has a big CV on it. I'm yeah. like, is that a CVS beer? <laughs> on the front end, it tastes like a Miller High Life. And on the back end, it tastes like a penny. So, <laughs> so yeah. Well, with that recommendation. So it's a, it's a Halloween town. So basically, it, <laughs> all right. Caleb's going to die. the worst thing. Caleb's oh, going to die. Caleb. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. Oh, I, oh, God, it does smell bad. One time in the Mercury Grand Marquis, I hit a skunk, and then I hit a skunk, <laughs> yeah. and then I had another skunk in three days in a row, yeah. so it just became Ugh. the skunk. We started calling the car the skunkocalypse, yeah. and that is the Ugh. taste I got in my mouth. Yeah, sure, yeah no, Rob, you have to suffer, too. Yeah, right? I mean, apparently... Fuck God, me, this, that is a hard one. That's a hard one. This <laughs> smells like shits I've taken after beer. That's yeah, right. yeah. Yes. God. Yeah. It tastes like them, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a porta john in the yeah. Son, yeah. Oh, what is this in my mouth? It's terrible. So, anyways, really, thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm um, the lord of the depths and the heights. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. You, you are the bell curve. The what is, what is about anime. Indiana that makes people brew such a wide disparity of beer? Well, I mean, I will say there's a there's a I'm brewery. Just, I'm that, just chugging the other beer now. <laughs> there, there's a brewery I saved you guys from yeah. uh, that is oh. in my town that is famously terrible. What is it called? Uh, it's called Peoples. Peoples. And I was gonna maybe bring some. There are a couple like single bottles you could get at the grocery store, and like I was looking at them, and one of the two that they had had a racist cartoon character on sure, the bottle. Yeah, let's like, yeah, not do not, that one. We're not doing that. All right. So uh, <laughs> in Asmixix, Coop Copper Crane. I'm wondering. And is, is it is Copernicus? Copernicus? Yeah. Copernicus, check your autocorrect. Yeah. But for now, I'm gonna go with what it says on the list. Copper Crane. Yeah. Uh, thank you, officer. Uh, asks. <laughs> 
Uh, what are your favorite anecdotes to tell at parties, and can you tell them to us? Follow up. What makes for a good party anecdote in general? That one's from me. Mm-hmm. 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 I got one. So, like, this was one of the ones that I actually left off the list because I thought, don't tell this story. But then you put it on the list. So I was like, okay, so we're going to talk about this. So here you go. This is a story that I tell pretty regularly when people are like, hey, what's the weirdest thing to ever happen to you? And so I want to tell the story. Well, to be clear, after you tell the story, you have to extrapolate oh, right. base principles and I'm going from to. it. Yeah, yeah, right, totally, okay. totally, 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 um, So here you go. Uh, a couple of years back. So for what it's worth, I, we've probably talked about this. I've lost like 70 pounds as a human between 2010 and 2000 and wherever we are. Brag about it, why don't you? Well, <laughs> and, I, and yet I'm st- I still look like a complete fat goob. You know what I mean? So it's like I need to, I really need to step on a treadmill like once a year. Uh, neither here nor there. Yeah, that'll do it. One, yeah, once a year. just I've once a year. That, I've heard that that's the real secret. My understanding is it's actually very easy to lose weight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see a lot of commercials that people are like, don't even do anything. Um, and so, uh, I go see some good friends of mine. In fact, I I was in his wedding. He was in my wedding, uh, and his wife is absolutely wonderful. And so I go to see them some years back. It's like 2012, 2013. I hadn't seen them since we left our master's programs in 2010. And in the period I'd lost a bunch of weight. And so I walk into the house and I see both of them. Uh, and she says to me, Oh my God, you look great. You need to tell me what your secret is, which I really appreciate. To wit, I said uh, a bunch of water and cocaine. <laughs> at which point, at which point, her mother, who I'd not yet met, pops out of a bedroom I did not see and says, uh, "You need to be careful with that." Her father died of a cocaine overdose. Oh, <laughs> your story is wow. almost exactly the same as my story. At Holy <laughs> shit, we are totally going to get to base principles here. Yeah. At which point I thought I looked at him, who who was probably the better of my two friends, and I said, it was wonderful seeing you. I'll see myself out. And he's like, no, 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 stay. And I ended up staying, and they made tacos, and it was wonderful, and I played pool with her stepdad, and it was a great evening. Um, but to this day, I mean, it's now five or six years ago, and I wake up with night sweats about having <laughs> fended, offended someone at that level. So I tell the story like when people ask me like about most awkward moments or weird things uh, that have happened to you. And what, what it's come to for me in terms of base principles is like tell a story that seems simultaneously both impossible for someone to relate to because they were not there for the specific thing. It is specific to you. That's right. But generic enough in its violation of some principle. Contains a base emotional thing. That's right. That I think also self-deprecating. Because that's important. my mind. Like, very it's important. very important to be like, not like smarmy. Hey, here to network. Here's my card. That's guy. right. At party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so for me, like, this having a sense of humor about yourself seems pretty important. Yeah, an authentic sense of self-deprecation. Yeah. Right. Uh, I was making a joke, obviously. So specific enough to you that other people can't relate to it, and it seems fantastic, but generic enough in its core principle that someone is like, oh my god, I too have violated the social contract in that way at some other point. Mm-hmm. And so now you can get a conversation It's going. both fantastic and also has a strong anchor for empathy. That's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Caleb, yeah. it sounds like you've got something that right in line let's, with this. Let's let Rob go. Okay. Uh, all right, all right, I think all right. I need to go last on this one. <laughs> okay. All I really right. do. <laughs> All right, so uh, base principles. I think we're we're exactly on the same page. We're tracking here without 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 even coordinating beforehand. So, uh, I didn't tell this story for years, except when Tom, uh, my best friend from high school, forced me to tell it. God, your face is just tragic. This I'm not even is ha- so bad. I like 
I mean, have a friendship where I'm generally theater. happy when you're mildly uncomfortable because we can sort of lord it over each other. I'm, I just feel sad for you. It tastes like blood on them, but not good blood even. <laughs> no, on I, mean, I mean, I've had plenty of beers since that one tiny taste of that, and I still taste it in my mouth. <sighs> okay, keep going. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, so I was in high school. Uh, speaking of white, it seems to be a common thing. I was 320 pounds. Right. I was an enormous man. Uh, I had a top locker, and uh, both Kyle and Tom, and I'm going to call this Lady Jade. I'm gonna, call, I'm gonna call the female character in this story Jade. So Jade was not from the best of homes, I imagine, uh, but I had no interaction with her before having a locker, locker directly above her. Um, and so at one point, like senior year, we're talking like uh, I, I am uh, getting something out of my locker, and she comes up with her, you know, friends who are of a certain quality of white. Namely, a quality you would throw away if you were putting in category. And she comes behind me and she says, hey. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And I, I literally didn't know her name before this point. And she's like, just waiting for your fat ass to get out of the way of my locker. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was taking too much time. She goes, You've been here all year with your fat ass getting away of my locker. I'm like, okay, I, I apologize. This is really intense. And my friend Kyle is just like, this is... <laughs> This is odd. This is aggressive. And then she goes to get the locker. Nothing comes of it. A uh, couple days roll by. Uh, so I am getting stuff out of my locker, putting it in my backpack. I uh, feel a sharp pain in my ass. Did she stab you? And I look behind, and she has a fork from the cafeteria with my blood on it. Ass blood. That she has stabbed ass me blood. in the ass Which is with, what that beer tastes like. Too. At which point she says, uh, I was just seeing if your fat ass was done yet. Oh, God. Wow. At which point I'm like, what is wrong with you? And then she comes at me with a fork again. And then I'm like, well, here are my strategies. I punch a girl or I run. So I go fleeing down the hallway from a girl with uh, a fork. So... Couple more days pass. She doesn't come to school very often. Good old Jade. Um, I am at the locker. She is there. Uh, she says, "Am I gonna have to stab your ass again when I come up to my locker?" Because she's there first. And I said, "No." And then I'm not a good person. I, I stuck my foot into her locker and raked it all out onto the floor. And like, your ass is gonna have to pick that shit up. And then I grabbed my stuff, at which point she tried to stab me with a real knife. Then the judo kicked in. So I did sort of take and disarm a girl in the middle of a hallway and disarm a knife from her, at which point I did get called to the office. But thankfully, there was a camera. So then the Mexican drug lords come in. So Jade's boyfriend was named Pablo. That's not a joke. Uh, I don't have to make up his name because he's dead now. Um, anyway, Pablo um, told me that if I didn't lay off of Jade, and by lay off of Jade, I meant be in a locker above hers and also be fat, uh, he was going to come, stuff was going to happen, at which point Tom was with me, having heard this whole story, and while Pablo was there threatening my life, is laughing hysterically because it's the funniest thing he's ever seen. Good old Tom. At which point that night... A uh, car blasting Nelly sets outside my house for two hours with Pablo sitting on the hood while my father wonders whether we should get the guns or not. So then Jade doesn't finish school, oddly enough, because she was having a hard life. Um, 
At which point we're nearing the end of senior year and people say to me in band class, because I am a uber dweeb, um, remember when Jade stabbed you in the ass with a fork and you had to get like stitches in your ass from the nurse at a public school? At which point we all had a we all had a good laugh. Everyone had a good laugh at my extent. Um, to which I said, man, and I don't know why I said this, but at which I said, at which moment I said, some people are better off dead. At which point the intercom immediately turns on and says, students, uh, we need to make an announcement. We need to have a moment of silence. Jade Smith has died in a tragic car accident. Oh, my. <laughs> so the previous night she had drank a bottle of wild turkey and gone speeding down a road and hit a tree at 90. At which point, everyone in the band class now thought I had the power over life and death and began uh-huh. spreading away from me because I'd literally just said that, except Tom, because he's my best friend ever, who was on the floor <laughs> vomiting. He was laughing so hard at me. Oh, no. <laughs> and that was my story. Yeah. 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 My. Um, okay. Well, that's, that's violent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's irreverent. Self-deprecating. I did get stabbed in the ass for being too fat one time. Right. Um, she was a terrible trash person, and I'm sad she died. But, you know, I've learned not to say those things anymore by the very basic after-school special of the thing that happened. God, what if you find out at some point that she was actually, like, a world-renowned chef literally testing the temperature of your bottom? So, like... Hannibal Lecter. She was a cannibal. Yep, a world-renowned cannibal. That's right. What your yep. your alternative situation here. How or, does be, one become world-renowned as a cannibal? Like, what is the cannibal? Have role? you seen Hannibal Lecter? I mean, like, you yeah. need to get Tom well, he's, Harris. He's to a write fictional a book about cannibal. Right. You know that, right? Now, I don't know that that's true. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to place my best. It's on important this. for me to know that you know. Mm, that so I wouldn't tell that story for years because I felt really bad about it. Yeah. But I shouldn't feel bad about it because people have said that all the time, and then the other people don't suddenly die in a car wreck or have it announced at the yeah. exact same moment. Yeah, I think you're safe here. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's irreverent. It sort of takes you down a notch. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, I feel like high school was really the ass scars that we got along the way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's right. And to our new friend. Oh, man. Um, Okay, this isn't going to be as over the top compared to the other stories as I thought before Caleb started. That's on his why team. I wanted you to go first, bro. Uh, but I tried I, to. Yeah. I tried to play it. I can. Straight. I can still hold my own here. <laughs> Spring break of my freshman year of college. Good start. Uh, we, rather than doing like the normal thing that college kids do, we did something far, far nerdier because we were in an honors elective class, the pet project of one of our favorite professors, The Vampire in Folklore Fiction and Film, a, uh, a college credit course that was vampire shit all the way from Eastern European folklore. If this becomes a World of Darkness story, prehistoric. I'm out. No, I'm no, out. no, 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 no. Uh, although none of what happens would not fit. Um, <laughs> We studied stuff. He was an amazing professor, one of the best classroom teachers I've ever had. It was easier to determine what languages he didn't speak and what books he had not read. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a study trip for spring break to Romania to <laughs> legit the former sites of Wallachia. We saw the birthplace of Vlad Sepesh, the house, the little house he was born in. We saw his fortresses. We did the whole goddamn spring thing. Break! This was this was a like 
tour guided bus tour through the fucking Carpathians. We literally had our tour guide bribing government officials who had AK-47s to let us see stuff that we weren't supposed to be able to see. We saw like the parliament (laughs) building that still had bullet holes in the side of it from Ceausescu's flight. Uh, It was unbelievable. But our bus left off at Sigishwara, which is the town in which Vlad was born. And these people are horny for Vlad the Impaler. He's like George Washington raised to the power of Martin Luther King. Well, I just came up with the episode title. Yeah. Anyway, go on. I'll go, I'll go ahead and add that to the dark. Yeah, just, just, just type that in there. Right and so this, this entire town, like the town center, the part that was the town long ago, is completely preserved and restored as a medieval town. It's a big tourist destination. Um, and we were put up at an inn there and we were done for the day we've been driving all day through the mountains and we wanted to do something fun it was spring break and like there wasn't any organized activity until the next morning <laughs> right and to be clear to to be perfectly clear not to not to dress you down on this rob to do something fun for spring break, maybe the first answer is don't go to Romania. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you might think that, but listen to the rest of the story. Okay, all right, all right. Um, the wet t-shirt contest was so all the Romanian listeners are now like totally offended. Right. No, no, no. How dare There's, you question their party ability? No, d- and, okay, and maybe legit. not Romania general, but not look like a famous impaler. Well, okay, like, <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. We wanted something to do. We were wandering the streets of Sikishwara by night. And got acquainted quickly with the timeless Romanian tradition of just fucking closing your business if not enough people are coming in. Uh, nothing was open. Slash vampires are coming. Sure. Yeah. I mean, also, <laughs> night, very dangerous, very dangerous time. Yeah. And so there is a, it's a tourist town. So there's a growing, in terms of, in Romanian terms. All right. All right. You let me finish the fucking story. Yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> So there's actually a growing crowd of young people who the Santa Fe of want something to do. I mean, there were literally dozens of, of college-age people who were like, well, this is shit. Uh-huh. And our group met up with some Hungarian folks who were also vacationing there for, like, the day. Because it's not that far to mm-hmm. drive, really. If you, um, And most of us from the study tour decided, okay... There's a liquor store open. We're going to buy a bunch of booze and get blasted and just call it a night. Uh, we're going to cut our losses. Four of us, myself included, were not sated. We were not going to be like, okay, this is enough. No, we're going to get our money's worth out of this fucking trip. We met these four Hungarians. Chobi was the one who spoke English. Mm-hmm. He was a very charismatic guy. Named after a yogurt. Yeah, and just... <laughs> not Chobani. <laughs> Chobi. The yogurt's named after him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and another solid episode title. There's a lot of competition. We, we went to Pizza Hut and had cognac because it's Romania and they have cognac at stolen from a truck prices at Pizza Hut. Hmm. It's all good. Don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. And he assures us that in Targmaresh, a little ways away, it's his hometown. They do not do this bullshit. Everything is open in Targmaresh. We have clubs. We have the, the nightclubs with live rock music. It's going to be a great party. You come with us to Targmaresh to party. Much less disappoint than this place. And then you were taken. And That's right. <laughs> yeah, this sounds like the opening of the Hostel movie. Yeah. It's going to sound more like the opening to that. Um, so we were all very drunk 
And we were also all idiots. So we were like, yeah, let's do it. We took a cab through the Carpathians, the dead of night. Some of us actually rode with Choby and uh, Marius and Adrienne and Erisabeth, uh, the two women who were with them. Uh, really giving a read to these Romanian tour Seriously. guides here. Mar- Marius yeah. didn't have much to say, but Put he was very blast, large. You know? um, but anyway. Uh, were they wearing tracksuits? Choby was. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, and we didn't know. I mean, this was yeah. a while back. We didn't know what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we end up at a place that he was, He was. oh, sorry, actually, the club I thought was actually closed. We go to this other club. It's just as good, I promise. And we end up in a strip club slash brothel uh, that defied all expectations and so we're partying with uh, this hold on <laughs> <laughs> what expectations did you Tap have those breaks <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, they had electricity i mean come on it, right. was, it was both more like well appointed and scarier than we thought it would be because of the atmosphere because my only expectation of carpathians at this point is what vigo does to dana barrett's baby in <laughs> ghostbusters 2 sure sure and i'm like so were there a lot of paintings or a lot of babies because i um, feel like either is a violation it's one of the two right, so yeah. things are going fine like we're drinking we're we're partying with these guys and the topic of what we do comes up in a brothel and it turns I know what they wanted you to do. No, 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 like mm-hmm. job wise, like what our vocations oh, are. Okay. And we in find, a brothel? And we find out <laughs> we find out that Choby maybe I take things in my car that maybe someone wished to buy, but there is a problem, and so I take it to a place where someone buys it. He's a gun runner and drug runner for the Hungarian <laughs> yes. mob. Marius is his muscle, he's heavily armed. Ersebet and Adrian are not just like they girls, they're their girls. Wow. And we, it's late, late, late. We've been partying, we've been drinking and smoking, and like, we end up being like, "Mm, you know, we really need to go back to Sigishwara so that we can hit our door bus in time. And we end up in this thing where he wants us to pay for the girls' drinks for the evening and then pay the difference for him to take us back right. to Sigishwara. And yeah, this is how pimping works. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about this. One of our number had become a bit belligerent uh, over it's the course of the It's a great idea when you're next Perfect. to our Hungarian mafiosos. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and he's like, oh, no, we'll just, you know, we'll pay you to take us back. But, like, everyone pays for their own drinks first. And, like, we'll pay you when we get back to Sigishwara. Blah, 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 blah. And, like... They just keep going back and forth, and it keeps getting a little more heated each time. And there are bouncers hovering by our table, which I don't know whether to be scared or thankful for. <laughs> and what, what ends up happening <laughs> is the guy who's a little heated is like, fuck this, we're going. Literally just stands up and leaves. And I have to make a very split-second decision, and I can say that, like, the stories of people's adrenaline burning away their alcohol is totally true. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Uh, instantly sober. You Insta- sober up immediately. Instantly more sober than I have ever been. <laughs> yeah. I'm sobering up now just thinking about it. Yep. But, um, so I help these two other guys who are, like, almost too drunk to stand to get up from the table... And try to follow this guy out onto the street because I figure at least we'll be slightly harder to kill if all of us are in the same spot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a ma- it's a math game. No, it's a math game because <laughs> they can't hit all of you. Uh, because like 
the guy has like the one gun and like uh, everyone else seems oh, yeah, to no, have knives. Fair. Anyway, and, uh, anyway, we get out to the street and I feel a hand come down on my shoulder and it's Marius. He's showing me what's under his jacket with a no-nonsense look. Uh, this other guy and Choby are screaming in each other's faces Choby. on the side of the street uh, about how, oh, you know, we're never going to make it back to Sigishwara alive. That's a literal quote that I heard. Uh, and thank God for drunks and the protection of Dionysus himself, which is the only thing mm. that I can credit with my continued existence on the planet past age 19. <laughs> um, the two non-angry, non-rob people in my group were very hard to manage because they were falling down. <laughs> one was trying not to vomit, and one was literally pissing on the wall. Mm -hmm. And Marius was having to sort of try to corral these people. And I guess the order hadn't come so down. So we from left them to die. Right. <laughs> I guess the order hadn't come <laughs> down from Shobi to escalate yet. In peace. Uh, yeah, God rest their souls. Um, so they had their hands full. Chobi was doing the whole alpha male performance mm -hmm. thing across from this other guy. And Marius was trying to keep these other two corralled. And I saw this George R.R. R. Martin looking motherfucker asleep in his cab. Like in his taxi. Right next to us. And so... I work my way over and knock on the glass behind myself, not looking at him. And I say over my shoulder as he <laughs> rolls the window down, Sigishwara, fast. <laughs> and I give him every cent that I have. Something like $200 in, in, in American, <laughs> like in, a, in, in Romanian currency uh, transferred. And he gets it. He unlocks the car and he starts to slowly roll the cab. <laughs> Good. I managed to get the doors open, and thank God they figured out what was going on. We literally, the four of us, pile into a moving vehicle as, as Chobi screams and pulls out his cell phone and starts calling people. And we do a fucking very, very fast hairpin turns through the Carpathian Mountains <laughs> middle of the night thing. Apparently, this dude, Jacob, the cab driver, like, knows this situation because he was seemed very casual about the whole thing. <laughs> the man is a Carpathian taxi driver. I feel like he's done this. And, yeah. and so... These are his be best earning nights. To be clear, do you know that Yakov wasn't the end of the mark? No, yeah. and I don't fucking care because I'm alive. Because <laughs> that's a well-designed right? fucking con. It's a long con. If Yakov is in on it, it I fucking it, love this. Yeah, it, that's that's the real, like, you never really know at the end of the story. But we get well clear and into the mountains where we're clearly not being followed anymore. And he looks at us in the rearview mirror and he says, American? And we're like, yeah, yeah. And he's, he suddenly lights up with this big smile and he says, Guns and Roses! <laughs> That's what he took from all this. Yes. Yeah. And so we sang Welcome to the Jungle uh, as loud as we could <laughs> as we flew through the mountains by night. Uh, got dropped off in the town square of Sigishwara because it was dark by then. We were drunk and we had no fucking idea where our hotel was. And we were just wandering around the streets until the sun came up enough that we could figure out where we were. And, like, there just came this moment, like, what the fuck did we just do? Yeah. yeah. Why are we alive? So, to tell a good party anecdote, self-deprecating, kind of irreverent, 
or just like a lighthearted taken. <laughs> Farrelly Brothers romp through a Liam Neeson universe. First act of Hostel, right? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. A first act of Hostel that never really gets going towards yeah. the horrible shit. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and, and somehow we lived. And, yeah. and, and the, the, the epilogue to this is when the tour guide came down for breakfast the following morning. We didn't have time to sleep. We had like an hour before oh, it was yeah. time to get up at that point. I told her that we had gone to Targmaresh. And she went white as a sheet because apparently the center of the movement for Hungarian uh, secession and independence was working in that city. And had we gotten in trouble, there would have been absolutely no law enforcement response that that town was owned by the mob at that point. This episode is sponsored by the Romanian (laughs) tourists. (laughs) <laughs> ministry. Uh, We're horny for Vlad. We're horny for Vlad. I changed. I changed the episode title to "Horny for Vlad the Impaler" and also Choby. Uh, so uh, just be on the Chobani, yeah. We, yeah, I, God I, bless you. I'm anyway. I desperately need another beer. Everyone. So everyone needs more beer. Yeah. Choby needed so many more beers. We'll see you in a second. Oh man. Yeah. And you know, you might think that there was exaggeration involved there. Like at least no. I know who can literally corroborate every I part of that. Vince, what are you drinking? All right. So uh, a listener some some weeks ago suggested some Omegon beer to us, the three founders. And I was... That's actually in episode 10. Oh, so that's upcoming. Which is coming right. next. Yeah. So Ooh, God. We're time traveling That here. time traveling shit has got me... Anyways, in episode 10, what you're going to hear is someone suggest uh, Omegon's three founders, which we tried a little bit in advance during a game day. And, and we are going to be taken aback by it. Oh, my. That beer is phenomenal. Real good. What it did is it set me on a path to buying more Omegong beer. It was three philosophers, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I've been drinking for a while. Yeah, three (laughs) philosophers. So it set me on a path to buying more Omegong beer. Omegong out of uh, Cooperstown, New York. And so today, or at least at this moment, I'm drinking the Rare Voss Amber Ale by Omegong. Uh, It's 6.5%, so, you know, it's a little bit getting after it, but it's not too bad. And also, I want to mention that ambers are not typically in my speed, uh, so I wanted to push my limits a little bit here. Oh, my God. What's the rating? I just can't. I just, ah. Get to it. It's a four. Hey, it's a four. Right. It's a four. Right. Quarters. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. quarters. I'm, I'm pretty into it is what I'm saying. All right. It's a light drinker. I would drink a bunch more of them. It didn't make me see God, as it were. Yeah. Uh, so, you know what? That's reasonable. What and, are we talking and, about? And, uh, hey, Cooperstown, thanks for getting a beer down to us. Man, good good on you for the distribution network. Good <laughs> Lord on your distributor. Anyways, what are we talking about? So we're going to talk about uh, something suggested by Brackets. That's what you want to be called. That's what we're going to call you. That's fine. Mm, brackets <laughs> suggests that what is the best bad book or book series you've enjoyed and why? Uh a nice, vague question. Yeah. Thank you, Brackets. That's the way to do it. We love that shit. Yeah. So um, we're talking about books that we consider bad, but enjoy nonetheless. That's right. Or books uh, or books I interpreted as books wildly considered as bad, but nonetheless that we enjoyed. Ah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going I'm to start with my one. I, I know that you and I agree on one, so I'll kind of leave that one to the back end. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> I struggle with this. I'm going to be honest with you. I know that The Magicians is not well-liked, and I know specifically that it is not well-liked by many of our listeners, <laughs> and I want to honor that. I, I, in large portion, agree with you. Having said that, okay, 
there are moments. The group it, me is on fire right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't wait for this one. <laughs> the amount, the amount of pro s'mores propaganda I've received in the last couple of months has been mind numbing. I can't imagine what is going to happen to me now. Okay, but anyways, um, what I'll say is this: I read it. I got halfway through it and sat down and I was reading it on a plane for a work trip and I got halfway through it and I closed it and I said, do you really want to continue doing this to yourself? And I decided that I did. And then I bought the second one because at the end of the first book, towards the end of the first book, I should say, there is what I found to be an oddly compelling scene with Alice, who is kind of becomes the female protagonist throughout the book. And uh, her relationship with Quentin and her relationship with the larger plot structure that I thought was terribly written, out of nowhere, and abrupt to the point of absurd. And yet I find myself to this day thinking about it as this like really wonderful moment that I can vividly picture in my mind. And it caused me to continue the series, even though I otherwise probably wouldn't have continued the series. So I suppose in the vein of answering the question, is it an awful book, widely regarded as not super popular amongst probably people who also enjoy listening to us do things. Uh, I didn't like much of it. I think that it is hackish. I think that it, it, it attempts to hide its hackishness by being openly hackish, and I don't think that's a good tactic. <laughs> <laughs> Having said all of that, there are moments in that book that I really enjoy. I have been halfway through the second one for like two months, so I can't quite tell myself I'm going to finish the second one. But there, I, I really fucking enjoy. Have you seen the, the show? I watched two episodes and then I stopped. Yeah, I yeah. watched the entire first season and I regret it. Right, <laughs> right. So yeah. I know. I, look, I know I'm probably wrong here, and uh, you know what, people, I fucking welcome your internet torching. Okay, All right. come at me, bros. You can hate read and, something. and it's gals. A thing. It's a thing you can do. You can hate read. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I don't, I don't even know that it was hate reading. There are genuine moments where I was like, no, this, I'm, I'm enjoying the fuck out of this book right now, and I am burning through it. There are also moments where I read it and I go, oh, my God, this is what my life has become. You know, I'm sitting on that plane thinking, just put it in the water, man. Like, <laughs> Just set it down. It's my only way out. Yeah. So anyways, The Magicians is mine. I know you have one and then I know we have a joint one. So I'll let you jump in. So mine uh, might also ruffle some feathers. Yeah. The Dresden Files, mm-hmm. which I love unapologetically, mm-hmm. except for I'm going to apologize for it. And here's right now. Right. So here's the thing. Jim Butcher for... Let's be generous and call it six books. Didn't know how to write. It was just, oh my God. Let me tell you about this magical world. And then here's, let me establish this wizard who's going to kill all technology around him. And then let's have him make a Star Wars reference. And let's just gloss over how that's possible. Let's just gloss right over it and just move on. And then here's this bar he likes to go to. Let me copy and paste the paragraph from the last book about that bar. Yeah, you got it, right? All right. Control V, paste. Mm -hmm. Moving on to Mm -hmm. the next part of the book. Just, there's some... There's some real, real rough stuff there. But, but, that said, uh, the plot of Dresden, and uh, as a character, his sort of lovableness, and I think his lovableness goes beyond the fact that, like, oh, he said a Star Wars joke about Boba Fett, and I like that too, and blur. Um, I think it does go a bit beyond that. It sort of carries me, and... What I do really like about it is you can sort of see him learning how to write as it goes on. And he will admit this to himself in signings. Mm -hmm. And it's still not, like, fantastic, but it's much better than, like, the early books where it's just, like, 
what if one of the members of CSI was a wizard? Like, um, I've literally read fan fiction better than it. Yeah, no, it's it's rough. It is real. And it wasn't even like highly acclaimed. It is no, it is real rough. But then there's also like these transcendent scenes, like where he fights the Loop Guru and Loop Guru and Full Moon, and like blows his ass out of a building. Then you're just like, if you're a gamer, especially an RPG gamer, it's like, holy shit. That was fucking great. That was entertaining as hell. He rolled a crit on his fucking attack, and it was really good, and, like, it really established a dynamic between characters, and then it goes back into more, like, chintzy, hackish uh, fanfic shit. Oh, he's awkward around girls, too. Oh, my God, weird. Oh, God, if you want the most awkward sex scene ever written, Uh. look for the one sex scene in Dresden, and it is... (laughs) For real, I've, I've not, only read the first book. I've not read any. There's of a lot of tempting, like, yeah. ooh, Dresden sexy might vampire. have sex with a Will white they, vampire who's the sexy type of vampire. Yeah. Um, I do respect, as a guy who chose, had the choice between fast zombies and slow zombies, who picked both, a guy who had the choice between a billion different types of vampires and said, fuck it, all of them, yeah. uh, and then just color coded them and moved on. Uh, and that's the thing, like, I like the plot. I like the dynamics and the sort of political thing. And there's some good action scenes in there. But like writing wise, oh god, there's some there's some rough patches. Sure, and it gets better as it goes on, but it's still pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I love Dresden Files, even though as a guy who got a creative writing degree and you know had to read Carver and all that shit, I, I have to acknowledge that like oh, swing and a miss a lot of the time. Sure. And then there's this book that both of us agree is horribly written. Really bad. An abomination of English literature, as it were, yet continues to be one of the best stories in terms of just full-on, can't-wait-to-hear-what-happens-next, completely immersive, in love with what is happening in, in the world, um, artifacts that stands above and, and over many other books. And that book is... Ready Player One. Ready Player One. And having said it aloud now, in the order we presented it, it occurs to me we might be both kind of suckers for world building. Yeah, absolutely. Not even necessarily plotting, but world building. Right. If you can do that and nothing else, as Ready Player One clearly does. That's the whole goal. Like, great world building, thin. Like, the end. Like, uh, and that is uh, enough to carry me through sometimes. I Not Armada. Oh, well, I don't know. Um, so I've picked it up uh, 15 times to buy, and I've never bought it because everything I've seen says Armada is a shitty reskin of Ready Player One. I've read the first couple chapters, and I'm like, God, this is awful. Right. And then I'm just like, how is it any more awful than Ready Player One? Right. And then I'm like, I can't answer you that question, Caleb. Maybe there's a hole in our perception. And right. it's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, there definitely is a blind spot here. Look, Ready Player One is full of, I would call them attempts at metaphor. Uh, they aren't really metaphor, but they're like, someone said, I should probably write a metaphor here, and then Googled metaphor. And they're like, <laughs> oh, <clears throat> that's a metaphor. And then that becomes the thing. I mean, it is uh, it is uh, base level writing in, in terms of aesthetic quality or creativity. But, but I have to say, and, and there are other problems. I mean, I think that, you know, the plot, you spend half the book 
um, trying to climb an insurmountable mountain, which is the first gate. And after one person climbs it, there's kind of a rush through the gate. And then gates two and three are just like bingo, bango. I mean, look, the plot is a little bit ridiculous in places too. The characters lack depth. Um, the aha moments are not really so aha because they're so obvious and uncomfortably weird when introduced that they're not enjoyable. And another reason I kind of hate myself for liking the book is like the part of Dresden Files where they does like fan servicey shit. And I'm just like, oh, give me a fucking break. He's a goddamn wizard. He can control fire with his mind. Come on. Then you just give me that. But what if the fan service was every sentence? And I was like, yeah. That was what I wanted. I wanted all of it. Just all of it at once. What if the whole thing, right, was was an homage and or reference to exactly what I'm saying? Mention Full House and Gary Gygax and Joust in the same paragraph, and I will just, woo, it's wonderful. I assume (laughs) that Ernest Klein listens to this podcast. We're pretty popular. Hi, Ernest. Uh, And so, yeah, 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 come at me, boo. Um, So I imagine he's probably thinking right now those idiots didn't get that everything i was doing was what they're saying i wasn't doing that's all really possible all right and if true i'm sorry you can come sit with us and defend yourself i think what's more likely is that you had a great idea and you had the the will the passion the wherewithal to write a book which is get it done in time that's right that's something i'll never be able to do you had a time sensitive idea in terms of like the demographic i can read that size of print yeah and we're quickly getting out of that range god bless you on that uh, but I think the reality is more likely that it was like, yeah, it was like meh written book that was that happened to be fucking fascinating to me, and I loved every part of it. And then the second book was like, what if the last Starfighter was an MRA, mm-hmm. and it weird wasn't as interesting as the constant nostalgia ray plugged into my brain. That's right. Yeah. So thanks so much for getting us to admit things that will make us unpopular. I have one, Brackets. Actually. Oh, producer oh, Ross yeah. is oh. jumping in. <laughs> um, Rises up from his deathbed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Geez. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you talk about world building, there, there's something popping in my head. This is actually uh, a trilogy of novels, but they've been collecting it on Omnibus. Uh, and this is the Eisenhorn trilogy from the Warhammer 40K setting. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, so Warhammer 40K is in the grim, dark future, there is only war. Uh, there's Imperium of Humanity. And uh, then there's Chaos. Uh, and aliens, and they're being threatened. And there's like. You're already overselling it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what Eisenhorn. If every heavy metal cover. Was, was real, but this yeah, is about basically this it. is about a detective. Uh, oh, <laughs> because because law enforcement yeah. matters. No, because, how do you find clues with pauldrons that big? You <laughs> well, can't even. You don't even have peripheral vision. So Eisenhorn is an inquisitor, and he finds secret chaos conspiracies in the Imperium of Humankind and roots them out because chaos corrupts from within, and you know you can't have that. They're basically like the Sith, but you know you more can't him. have that. Yeah, you can't have that. So, and the great the thing is, he there's world building and world building because there's like dozens, thousands of planets in the setting so they just make up new ones oh we have to go to this death planet it's all jungle and it's very there's lots of monsters right but he doesn't just fight crime by himself he gets as an inquisitor he can just like point to anyone in the imperium and say you now work for me so he gets all the misfits throughout the galaxy you know all the bounty hunters and mercenaries and soldiers and psychics and they all work for him and they die in droves but they're all interesting characters you know uh, and uh, yeah it's crazy nonsense but there's tons and tons of world building mm-hmm. and are over the top uh, Gonzo, uh, Gothic Grim Darkness, and yeah. he fights chaos monsters with a sword made by tech priests of Mars. You know, maybe this is why you're sick. <laughs> maybe this is where the flu came from. Mm-hmm. It's karmically produced. It's a spiritual yeah. corruption. <laughs> yeah. All right, Caleb, get another beer, please. I will. 
Hey, Spencer, what are you drinking? Okay. <clears throat> yep. All right. So I'm drinking a Hogarden, which was, as I was getting out of my entry-level craft beer phase, the Boulevard Wheats, the Blue Moons, uh, a dear friend of ours, John McIntosh, suggested mm-hmm. that I would like Hogarden. A wit blotch? Yep. He was totally wrong. <laughs> uh, Hogarden Ho is a, a wit, um, and it has a lot of coriander on the back end. It's a Belgian wheat beer. I'm not crazy about that flavor. Um, it's crisp. It drinks well. It's just not a flavor that I'm particularly in for. So it's somewhere between a Val Kilmer and Adam West. you got to make a call. Uh, it's an integer-based system. It's okay. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. You know what? It's an Adam West. It's crisp and refreshing enough to offset some of the coriander. And I'm being overly critical. But you want everyone to know you rounded up. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. It was a 2.51. <laughs> and okay. I rounded up. Yeah. To All the right. nearest one. The nearest, the nearest Adam West. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Round up to the nearest Batman. Frankly, I think that's a good life rule. When in doubt, round up to the nearest Adam West. Right? <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough, yeah. Like, you're on a date with a guy, and you're not sure if he's like a total doofus or like a little bit charmingly weird nerdy. Just give him the benefit of doubt. So round up to Adam the West. nearest Adam yeah. West, yeah. right? Oh, look at that guy. Solid life Suddenly he gets it, and it's kind of funny. First bumper sticker. <laughs> hey, if you're still with us, that means you're a patron, and we really do appreciate your patronage. We hope that you've heard from us our sheer, sincere gratitude towards people who are willing to give us their time, their energy, and certainly their money. There's just oodles of it. To continue to do this thing. It's a lot of gratitude. And we know that sometimes we say things that some of you don't love, and we've heard you, and we understand that, and we appreciate your feedback on that. Um, but mostly we appreciate you sticking with us when we, when we do or say things that you're not crazy about. And hey, in my defense, I was drunk. Right. <laughs> Because this is drunk enough. Indeed it is. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, so this is drunk enough. Uh, this was our number two voted segment for the floating segment of this week. Okay. Um, and uh, though I have done much better on uh, collating our right. various suggestions this year, I did fuck up a little bit because I don't think I should include drunk enough in the voting segment. I think it's going to be here. It's going to be here. Yeah, I don't want you to waste your vote. So All I'm going right. to take that off, not because we're not going to have drunk enough, but because, because we are gonna have we're drunk always going to have drunk enough. Just it, just accept it. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, it's so, the Daniel Radcliffe of this series. <laughs> it's always going to be there. Other things are going to change. Richard Harris, he's going to die. Yeah. You're going to need new Dumbledore. Yeah. Snape, need- spoiler alert, dying. <laughs> <laughs> not going to be in the seventh one or eighth one, okay? <laughs> okay. Daniel Radcliffe, always going to fucking be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, in this one, uh, this is a subtopic I propose because I'm just interested by it because I constantly like police myself on this issue. And I struggle with this. I struggle with this real hard. Um, when are you ethically required to stop enjoying an artist's work because of that artist's life? God, that's tough. This is a this is a minefield. So, I don't know where to start. Uh, I have two that I can start with. One that is near and dear to my heart, and one that is kind of chronologically recently interesting to me. All right. So the new well, the one's near and dear to my heart is Michael Jackson. I, and he's out. He's out for me. I can't do it. Right. And I totally get that. If you were to say to me, name the five greatest pop stars in the history of the world, right? Or if you were to say you can only listen to five artists ever again. Michael Jackson might make both of those lists because I think the music is 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 it. Um, remember the time is for me. Like here's in an ideal setting, Brandy and I didn't have a wedding with a bunch of people there. We were just in the remember the time music video. <laughs> And I was Eddie Murphy, and she was Cleopatra, or whoever the Egyptian princess uh, was, okay? So 
so there's that for me. Um, Michael Jackson holds a near and dear place to my heart. I grew up like kind of worshiping Michael Jackson as an artist, as a musician. I don't know why that was never a path for me, but but that's how I felt. But as you grow older and you recognize uh, the transgressions, that's hard to reconcile. For me, and I don't know what it is, I struggle with reconciling that out of the ability to say, still one of the five greatest musicians, five greatest bands, five greatest pop artists I've ever heard, bottom five humans. Um, the other one, and the more topical one, and I'm really just trying to get you to think think about this as I've been thinking about this. We have been watching, um, so a couple weeks ago we watched Going Clear, which is the HBO documentary version of Going Clear, the novel, which is about Scientology. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and since then, Leah Rimini has put her, uh, Leah Rimini has this whole special going on A&E now, uh, where she's become like this anti-Scientology warrior, because she was a Scientologist for 35 years of her life, and she's left the church, and now she's going to take the church down. And Going Clear... In particular, but some of the Rimini stuff, but going clear, I guess, mostly, I almost bought the book the other day. I'm just not in the mood to read something that dense right now. Yeah. Is a big takedown of Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise's role in Scientology Mm -hmm. and and the fucked up shit that Scientology has done. It's not a passive role. No, it's not a passive role at all. Assuming there's any truth to the the book and the film, right? And and I'm making some assumptions here and the book's making some assumptions, but whatever. It's at least active enough to jump up and down on a couch. It absolutely is. Yeah. Now, here's the (laughs) trick for me, right? Like, I look at the Mission Impossible films. I look at Jack Reacher. I haven't even seen Jack Reacher 2, and it's, like, one of the things that's on my, like, next things to do list. Uh, I look at uh, that fucking shit he did with Emily Blunt at this point that I can't remember. Day After Tomorrow? Nope, that was a different movie. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, yeah, and then The Edge, because they rebranded that film 11 times. Yeah. Um, in terms of just, like, action stars, if Tom Cruise is doing it, I'm watching it right now. But Tom Cruise isn't just, like, crazy weird religion. If any of the indictments in that documentary are true, Tom Cruise is, like, wildly implicit in shaming humans and ruining their lives and puppeting relationships which have ruined lives on the back end for the purposes of prestige of Scientology. And I look at all that and I'm like, fuck you, man. But I'm going to go watch your movies. And so I really struggle with this one. I do. Because for in my mind, I can separate those two things and I probably shouldn't. In your mind, though, I don't think you can. So, like, here's the thing. Michael Jackson, I acknowledge the talent. I cannot enjoy it any longer. Yeah. Acknowledging the man. Yeah. And what's going on and what's happening. And, like, at a certain point, I understand that it's no doubt because of, like, the nightmarish childhood of the Jackson. Sure. And I, I get, like, that it comes from somewhere. But at a certain point, you are culpable. And when you erect a million-dollar pedophile enablement compound billion dollars uh, i can't i can't do it like it yeah. ruins my yeah. it ruins my enjoyment of everything cosby same way yeah i can't do it like lightning doesn't strike the strange place 58 fucking times he did it i can't handle it like and, and i can't enjoy it anymore tom cruise is interesting because i no longer will pay for anything tom cruise is in I watched Jack Reacher on TV. I did not watch it in the studio. I've not seen a Tom Cruise movie in a in a in a theater for years because uh, pretty crazy. Does some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, but I enjoyed Jack Reacher in spite of myself trying as hard as I could not to like it. Um, which I I'm curious about because I wonder if it's not. An element of branding. I wonder if it's not an element of Scientology keeping some of the worst shit out of the news. 
in, in the point of like, I hear it enough that I internalize it. Because I've seen the same documentary. Right. I've read excerpts from the book. I know it's nightmarish. But at the same time, I don't know if I can go into that. Uh, my real edge case is Orson Scott Card. Because I grew oh, up yeah. reading Ender's Game. Yeah. I got so into Ender's Game. I read all of the Speaker of the Dead novels. Yeah. I read his other work. And I read pretty much everything I could get my hands on by Orson Scott Card pre-Prop 8. Yeah. Pre-having learned what Orson Scott Card stood for. Yes. And, like, not pre-knowing who's a Mormon. Like, it's not anti-Mormonism. No, it's not anything like... It's pre-just being monstrous towards him. And, like, I can't do it anymore. I can't enjoy it anymore in yeah. any way, shape, or form. And yet I still acknowledge that it was so formative for me and such a, especially Ender's Game, so formative for me in terms of sci-fi, such a powerful story for me when I was a kid. And here's the thing. I'm in a position where I have to recommend young readers to get into books. And that's my area of contention. Will you pass on the lineage? Can I recommend Ender's Game as something that is going to ultimately turn and I know this kid it's going to turn this kid onto reading I don't do it haphazardly like yeah. I understand I see myself in the kid a little bit I know it's going to happen but can I give another sale to douchebag McHate gays you know, like, it's, and, it's, and it's real problematic the, for the me the Orson Scott card thing draws a clear line in the sand for me I think maybe I don't know we'll explore this a little bit because booze so <laughs> Um, the Orson Scott card thing is weird to me. I didn't read any of the Ender's novels. I didn't read any of the stuff that you read growing up. Orson yeah, Scott card. It was formative to me. So like, right. I think I'm, I think I'm there where you are with Michael Jackson. Right. I can't dissociate it from my identity. So I'm wondering if, if, if at the root of the question, which is at what point can you disassociate the value of the art from the artist? I'm wondering if at the root of that question is, isn't. Uh, do you encounter the art before you encounter the nature of the artist? So I encounter the art of Michael Jackson before I encounter the nature of Michael Jackson. Yeah. I don't understand the the real depth of Michael Jackson's whatever it is, you know, molestation, uh, perversion, all, all of the above until much later in life. And I don't really understand the depth or the magnitude of that until I can really comprehend. This is years after I have understand how, understood how much I enjoy smooth criminal and thriller as this kind of event yeah. thing. Orson Scott card for me, on the other hand, I, I didn't grow up with, um, didn't really even approach getting into until I'd seen Ender's game as a film. It's just not something that ever caught me as a child. Yeah. But by that point, I'd already spent a number of years hanging out with you. I'd heard your concerns and certainly other larger social concerns about Orson Scott cards position on things that are near and dear to me because, and so the question – so before I even watched Ender's Game, which I thought was an interesting film. I liked that it had Harrison Ford. I liked that Asa Butterfield kid. I thought he was great in Hugo. Knowing all that, I couldn't enjoy the film as much because I already knew about Orson Scott Card. So maybe part of the answer to this question, how can you, how can you meaningfully distinguish between the artist and the artist's production, is what do you know first? Yeah, and here's the thing. I've tried to reread Ender's Game post-Card Didn't losing work. his damn mind. And it reads as so fascistic now. And it was there beforehand, but I understood it. You're fighting giant bug monsters from space. Like, right. I, I get it. It seems like part of the fantasy world, not like something I fervently believe. Right. And I'm fully against, like, your art is fucking creepy and weird, and so the person's weird. Like, Rob Zombie seems like a nice guy. I never want to see his Absolutely fucking movies. He does. Like, Rob Zombie seems like a lovely man. I would love to, like, play 
a round of croquet with Rob Zombie. Yeah. I wouldn't be dragged screaming into one of his uh, horrid films. It was House of a Thousand Corpses? Is that what the first? The yeah, first that was the, the first of his movies. Man, yeah. I watched that movie one night while I was playing, it only gets worse. playing World of Warcraft. And yeah. It was the weirdest three hours of my life. Devil's Rejects is... That's even more abominable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, and but here's the thing: I'm I'm so against judging a person for their art. Okay, hold on. I want to run. Like, this. I cannot help but judge an art once I know something about it. I want to run this test out. So, hypothetically, which is what we're dealing with a little bit here, um, name for me your favorite series of books. My favorite series of books, yeah. like maturely or like just uh, for pick my, a thing. Oh, it was. Animorphs by K. Alphabet. If I have to go in my own personal life, so all right, and fuck you, the Yerks are coming for us. You need to get ready. <laughs> so, so let let's assume tomorrow you wake up and the shit. I'm I'm assuming you use Bing because everyone uses Bing. The shit scrolling yeah. across Bing. Go to Bing and Google it. Go to Bing and Google it. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming the the Google stuff running across Bing tomorrow morning is K. Applegate uh, is is a fucking serial killer. <laughs> What's that do for you? This yeah. is hypothetical. This is not. We are not pleased. Okay, Apple is not a serial. Yeah. Uh, as far as I, we know, I don't know, man. That's the thing. Like, because here's the thing. I can't. I know. I. I, I mean, it's, if I wake up tomorrow and I found out fucking J.K. Rowling voted for Trump, <laughs> like, I would be surprised because she's not an American citizen. Yeah, but here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Can't, the voter fraud. A. Can't I'm not for. We can't yeah. ethically equivocate that. Like serial yeah. killer for voting for Trump. I feel like that's a false equivalency. No, but I'm just no. You're absolutely right. It's a false equivalency. And I feel like that those like measurements are important because like I can't read Ender's Game anymore. I cannot make myself say it's a bad novel. Like, and that's different. Like, I can't read it anymore. I definitely can't give him money anymore. I think that's my ethical bare minimum. Right. Don't give the person money anymore. Right. But I can't say it's a bad. But you'll novel. consume the media for free. Uh, Clearly, you will because you watch Jack Reacher. Yeah, that's the thing, and that like that worries me. Like, is enjoying it itself ethically too far? So is it like is it the level complicit? Is it the level of transgression for you? I think doesn't how would that not factor in? No, 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 definitely factor in for you. Do you have a bare minimum that obviously? That's what I. I mean, that's what I'm interrogating with the segment. You don't know. Like Kanye West is fucking crazy. But the albums of his I still like, I still listen to, and I don't feel bad for listening to I him. see, I don't listen to him anymore, though. Like, I rarely listen to my favorite Kanye stuff anymore because I look at him and I go... Was that just because you're burned out on that? No, I don't... That's a good question. He has monstrous I, behavior. I mean, but, like, so. the fact that he's an asshole doesn't really factor into me hard enough to make me dislike the other stuff even though i i know that my dislike of the stuff i already dislike like 808 heartbeats was is a fucking terrible album well, for me it's the best of the kanye albums and you're categorically wrong right. uh it it reins it it recertifies my hatred of the later stuff yeah which i mean i understand is a double standard that makes no sense which is why i'm sort of interrogating this issue like to what degree does the offense or transgression matter? Uh, and to what degree does the order matter is, I think, is the question you brought up. Yeah. Exactly. And I think those are the essential, like, philosophical questions of okay. your ethical response. I, so, for, for example, like, like Harold Ramis is it for me, right? That's it. That's, like, peak creative mind. Harold Ramis, I mean, my fucking gamer tag, all of my internet tags for the last 20 years have been Egon Zord. Right? Yeah. No, Harold Ramis is the pinnacle for me. And I, if I found out tomorrow that in his death it had been uncovered, may he rest in peace, that he was a you know pedophile, serial killer, murderer, anarchist, 
Like I would, I think that would ruin all of his art for me. Having said that, like there's still a part of me that doesn't know if Ghostbusters wasn't on, if I wouldn't fucking watch it because like I fucking love Ghostbusters. Well, yeah, like I think the also problem is like what part, how much of that art have you internalized into your core personality? How much of that art has like a good been question. formative to you yeah. and giving it up? Like and, I've and, taken no values from Ghostbusters. It, well, yes, but you you have taken snark from Ghostbusters. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It, it's a key part to how you right. even like my com- communication style. Exactly, is like, derived. It's only the way you relate to other human it beings. Absolutely, is. and I think that's pretty fucking integral. Like, yeah. and so at, at that point, like. Death of the Fuck. author. At which point does it become mine? We hypothetically like, just ruined Ghostbusters. This no, has not been a good. No, you did not. No. At, at, at which point? At what point do, does it become mine? At what yeah. point of death of the author is like, all right, you know, uh, I watched a shit ton of Cosby Show. Oh yeah. Uh, I it, it taught me of what a family could be. It, it had all these positive messages for me for what a family could be that were composed by a team of writers and not Cosby. Yeah. And you know he fucked it up because he was a fucking monster. And I'm not going to give up the Cosby show for him. Yeah. Like the same way that like, and like, I can't make that because, you know, I, I, but like there are people who are, you know, black in the 80s. And I'm not going to deny the power of representation that was the Cosby show. Right. Because Bill Cosby is a literal monster. Right. Uh, but like, I mean, I'm the same way in a much lesser degree with transgression. We're like. Roseanne, I watched a shit ton of Roseanne when I was a kid. Roseanne was my family, or as close to we were ever gonna fucking get it on a television. And I don't, I'm not a fan of fucking Tom Arnold or Roseanne sure. for that matter sure. as human beings. Yeah. Like, but I'm not gonna give up like John Goodman being my TV dad. Oh, absolutely not. For like shit, Roseanne Barr did singing a national anthem or like talking to some B-level tabloid. Right. And But, like, that's the level of transgression. It's just a... That's a transgression of taste. They're not, like, harming people or doing violence. And so, like... Yeah. I feel awful that there is a degree of that level that I don't support. I feel like that itself is the ethical transgression in that I have a level of, like, oh, well, they hurt you, but not bad enough for me to give a shit. That's the thing. And that makes me feel awful. I feel like we've been treating these as three distinct questions, right? Like, so what's the level of transgression... When do you learn about said transgression in relation to when do you experience the art? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at what level do you think the art really meaningfully impacts your life? Yeah. Those are not three distinct questions. I think those are three and terribly interrelated questions. Terribly. Terribly interrelated. Literally right? terribly. Yeah. I have an example. Um, Casey Affleck, he, he came out with a movie you saw recently that you really liked. It was very uh, Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. Manchester by the Sea. Uh, did you know that he... Yep. Uh, recently, or there were uh, like issues were raised about his sexual harassment. Like he has been a serial sexual harasser. He l- uh, settled a lawsuit some years ago, but I think recent uh, it's come up again. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Uh, it's come up in the news again. Uh, and see, that's the thing. That's also another level of like proof. Yeah. An, and I'm not denying the victims in that case, but like if there is a case and it's settled, I don't except that like a so civil, if it's not a legal crime it, if it's, no if it's, if it's a civil, a civil no if it's a civil case and it's settled out of court i don't accept that as an admission of guilt okay because like that's not how courts work yeah, like right. if you are a million dollar movie star yeah you fucking settle right, like right you don't take you it don't to court to even if you yeah. didn't do a goddamn thing All like right, so no about- lawyer in the world is going to say that so i'm not saying that person's lying but I don't have enough proof there to make a decision. All okay. right. So what about, you know what I mean? Like what? 58 times you're accused of rape though. 
Really? That's a big fucking conspiracy, man. Like, right. Well, those like, are also no, criminal charges. Uh, yeah, I, like Occam's Razor here, like, and, and criminal charges and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, like, what about, like, Charlie Sheen? Right? So where are you on that? So, like, Charlie Sheen goes through, and I know he just had, like, a Good Morning America interview. I don't know why I know that. I was sitting in a doctor's <laughs> office, maybe. Uh, where he kind of says, like, yeah, that was a weird fucking year of my life. But so Charlie Sheen just, like, loses his shit for a while, right? Now, it, don't get me wrong. I guess, I guess to the issue of interrelated questions, I can't think of a thing that Charlie Sheen has done that had an intimate effect on what I consider to be my I can think of one thing. Major League? Uh, no, Platoon. Hot Chops. Oh. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. So Ross and I were on one page, and you were on a different one. I don't dislike Platoon because yeah. of Charlie Sheen, because like I feel like that's uh, that's a disservice to the director, to the other actors. Well, he only hurt himself. That's a disservice to like his place, and he's also like I also like insanity. I, if it's literal insanity, I'm not sure where I'm at. Like it, I think agency is a factor of this as well. Like. Charlie Sheen did not seem in control of his actions when he was on those interviews or for many years of those of his life. And like, furthermore, like, mm. I'm not, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure who he harmed in that, but like, I know that that's a matter of, and, so, and at that point you just run into the, this is really about the limits of empathy. Like at what point yeah. can I say that? Like you, you, you have a mental illness. So you killed a bunch of people and you hit them in your basement first. You were a mental illness and you said mean things to people. Actually, like that's, that, not, that's but, a matter of agency thing. But that's like, not the I question. can't use it to dismiss everything. How in control were you? That's not the question, though, because the question is the level of intensity or depth of the transgression. Because you're not asking about intent. Intent is a totally separate issue. You're, well, it's not a totally separate issue, but you're asking about the relationship between intent and the production of art. So it's not you're a terrible fucking person, either because you said mean things or because you fucking killed people and hid them in your basement. It's, you're a terrible fucking person category, and therefore I cannot enjoy your art. So we ought not, we ought not confuse, I guess, yeah. what you're saying is we have to confuse a little bit. Here, here's my main concern, because we've, I mean, we're in the weeds here, and it's an in-the-weeds question, and I knew it was when I brought it up. But I think at a certain point you have to say, at what point am I enabling the behavior? And I think monetarily, if they're crazy pants, murdering psycho, you just can't. Or Roman Polanski. Yeah, you can't buy their shit. Yeah. Or Woody Allen. Right? Yeah, yeah, you can't buy. The, I can't enjoy Woody Allen film anymore. Yeah. Um, you can't buy their shit. But when Billy Jean comes on and you're in a bar, and here's the thing, I didn't pay for it. I'm not giving money to it. But if I'm nodding my head, at what point is that marketing it? And at what point am I complicit in? The actions that occurred there. Does it matter at all? And Michael that? Jackson is got to be the personification of this issue. Because yeah. I n- cannot think of a more heinous crime attached to a more seminal pop figure. Sure. Like, it is, it is the absolute balls to the wall fucking case right for for this kind of issue and like and i don't know where to go on. L- let me ask you this question can you can you comfortably resolve these two things oj simpson is one of the 10 or 15 greatest running backs in nfl history oj simpson is likely the murderer of two individuals like yes i can't because there's an object i'm not going to call football art Okay, so there's an objective measure in our. You got yards. Yeah, he ran a whole bunch of yards. So why he also killed people? I can't. I can't accept that objective measure because art is somewhat subjective and 
death of the author, I bear some responsibility in how I receive it. So you'd be willing to accept Michael Jackson is one of the most successful recording artists in history. Michael Jackson was 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 a, a male- pedophile. Yeah, but, then but I'm not judge- Michael Jackson is one of the greatest artists in history. Michael Jackson was a pedophile. Cannot resolve that second one. Okay. I can resolve. So yeah, you made money. The, I, no. That's an objective it's fact. It's the qualitative metric that you struggle with. Exactly. And I, I mean, I think we all should. And I think I'm not going to say like a prescriptive element of when you need to sure. get on board or get off board. But I don't, it's a question that bothers me more and more as I get older. Uh, so I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that's partially because as we get older, more of, more of our idols. I mean, I think it's just the nature of Yeah, time, more right? of our idols get crushed. Plus, yeah. we don't know like 90% of uh, history's artists. We have no idea what their personal life was right. like. Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It, it's a very 20th. 21st century problem too. Yeah. Right. Um, and also I think it's become I'm becoming an artist and not a successful one like any of those people and not as gifted one as any of those people. But like I make RPG books and I don't like rape murder or kill nobody like and <laughs> I feel like I don't deserve like a medal for that. Right. I feel like that's the base standard, but I also feel like it's not so hard to do. Yeah, like yeah. you hear that, get, folks? The mix six, home of no murderers. Yeah, yeah. I get, <laughs> I get by without murdering, raping, and causing misery to people like every single day. Yeah. Like, and it's it's not that big of a leap, hmm. mm-hmm. even as I make art. So I, I like the older I get, the whole tortured poet. He was truly creative, and he couldn't be understood, and he had an atypical brain. Like, the furthermore, that sounds like bullshit, because that's not how art gets made. It's a fucking, you know, factory. It's the slaughterhouse. Like, you're making sausages. Like, and I just, I, I, the less I get, the whole, like, part of, uh, yeah, I mean, part of it is culture enabling that perception, which, in turn, encourages people of a certain base. Exactly. And if I'm nodding my head to Billie Jean in the bar, am I enabling that perception? Yeah. Even though I didn't pay The tortured artist can get away with murder. Yeah. yeah. I, I struggle with that. And not because I think you're wrong. And I think you should. And I'm not saying I'm right. But because I, I don't see a world in which I don't nod my head at Billie Jean. Or when Smooth Criminal comes on, I don't think of like, I can do that lean forward. I can't. But I want to be able to. And, and I'm not saying this about you. But I'm right. saying here's the thing I would have in that case. Because I've got that. Like, I can't say, I cannot say Ender's Game is a bad book. Right. But you're saying like, is that me refusing to admit something about them or right. refusing to admit something about myself? Fair. Fair and gross and uh, really an unreasonable question to ask someone after a couple of beers. <laughs> <laughs> and so I appreciate that. Uh, and I'd be really interested in hearing what our listeners think, too. Like, who stands out to them as artists that have become moral quandaries? Yeah, now's the time to drop this shit in the comments. I, I want to know what other right. people think about this yeah, shit. So, yeah, so if someone stands out to you that we haven't mentioned or if you have an ability, if you have a thought on weighing in where you fall on some of the artists that we've listened or listed, we'd love to hear about that either on the Patreon comments or certainly on Twitter or Facebook. That would be really interesting for us. It's It's more than possible. It's, in fact, likely that we've missed some large swath of this conversation, but we won't really know um, until you tell us. So I do think that's our time to tell you that we really appreciate you listening so much. Yes. Chances are, if you're listening at this point, you've already found us on Patreon. Um, but be on the lookout for more content in the future. And if you haven't already followed us, followed us on Twitter, at The Mix 6, or on Facebook, The Mix 6, please do. Mm-hmm. And you should feel ethically good about supporting this podcast. 
Really? Because we're asking the tough questions. Yes, we are. And I'm going to go... And we're not murderers. Save some puppies from a fire. No murderers. We declared that, too. No murderers. No murderers. Hashtag no murderers. And we really do, and we hope you heard this earlier, appreciate all of your content and your input. We have so many great things that we have to look forward to over the next couple of months just based on the content that you've generated. So thanks so much from myself and Caleb and producer Ross. Yeah. Uh, And we hope uh, you you turn in again in the next couple of weeks. All right. We'll see you for episode nine. Thanks, all. Bye.